BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh shit, it's Vince Russo! Oh yeah, you could be king, king, king of these nuts. Our house, Jerry, straight up G. Somebody please explain to me how we are giving credibility to Glenn Gilbert. This is BS! This sucks! I've lost my objectivity and I don't give a damn! Welcome everybody, you've got to be kidding me, episode number 26. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. This episode we are talking about June 2004, a very notable month in TNA history, even if not a particularly good one. I'm Garrett Kidney, I'm joined as always by my co-host Liam Jones. Hello Liam. Hello, uh, uh, Garrett. You're so out of practice, you forgot my name. Yeah, um, I hope everyone's prepared for the Wrestle Kingdom of You've Got to Be Kidding Me's. Is that what this is? In that this is going to be five hours long and peak once. We do have 16 pages of notes. If you go to tnhad.com or patreon.com slash kidding me, you'll see there is 16 pages of notes. <laughs> I mean, we're all very excited, aren't we? This is, of course, the month where it back starts, so we are talking about nine episodes of television here, Liam. But you know what? Mm-hmm. You have to work for the things you love, right? Yeah. And what I love is the idea of four TVs and one pay-per-view. So I have to go through the pain. I have to walk over the glass shards. To reach the promised land. But one day we will reach the Garden of Eden that is four TVs and one pay-per-view a month. I do love that we've reached the impact month. And they're like, oh, by the way, this is a five pay-per-view month too. Just to make you suffer. Just to needle you. Just a little more. It's like, not only do you have four extra impacts to watch. It's also a five pay-per-view month. And like, you think we got things mixed up before? (laughs) Wait until now. I literally labeled the episodes in order for Liam so that he doesn't pull one of his classic I thought I was done or I watched the wrong thing in the wrong order, which has happened multiple mm-hmm. times. Yep. I've only watched the thing in the wrong order like twice. <laughs> and most importantly, of course, Garrett, I'm doing the I'm doing the I'm doing the thing because this is the Jeff Hardy. I'm doing the thing. Yeah, there's a lot of big new things this month. There's Impact, there's the Six Sided Ring, there's the Impact Zone, there's Jeff Hardy. But it's still a bad month, so what can you do? I'm doing the gun hands. 
Uh, I can as this podcast being an audio medium that does translate very well to audio. I hear the gun hands. Modest to the top. I love Dude. modest. Like there was a period where I hated modest, and now I love modest. I don't think I like this version of modest, but I like them. I like modest that comes. Yeah, the 2010 version is better, but I still like modest. Yeah, modest is a good song. Jeff Hardy is a lot of his songs are good, especially especially his TNA songs. And this is not the podcast for when we do the Jeff Hardy was Daddy's best in TNA stuff yet, but we will get there. Also, if you would like to hear the podcast about Jeff Hardy TNA theme songs, which is what I thought you were going to talk about, on this very podcast network, there's an episode of me and Andrew Rich on Music of the Mat talking about Jeff Hardy's TNA theme songs. Yeah, and I did Halloween. <laughs> yeah, very TNA. I did Halloween themes. There was, uh, I'm sure there was someone from TNA on there. <laughs> uh, suicide! Suicide was on there. <laughs> there you go. I think I did have one of the Halloween episodes, and one of the themes was the Disciples of the New Church. So there you go. Well, there you go. Perfect. That, uh, James Mitchell sings, of course. Mm, definitely <laughs> to bring back a season one you've got to be putting me reference <laughs> so it's been a month since uh, a main episode we did warn people but also you got covid so that didn't help yeah well i think it helped helped you just not watch tna yeah uh, it was a good excuse not to watch the shows <laughs> you didn't even get covid did you you were like uh, i got covid so i don't want to watch tna yeah i faked it <laughs> I begged it, and then I caught it for real <laughs> right after. Ah, karmic justice. Yes. Um, no, but I kicked its ass, so, you know, it doesn't even matter. Didn't you lose your taste of smell? T- taste the of taste smell? Taste of smell. Yes. I've combined them into one. I lost taste for, like, one night mm-hmm. and smell for a day and a night. Freak you out? No, not really. I was kind of open for it. Just for something different, you know? <laughs> you wanted the full COVID uh, uh, symptoms experience? I was very bored, <laughs> so, you know, anything that was happening was something for me. I was, like, I was getting, like, Vegemite on a on a thing of knife, um, a thing of knife. Mm-hmm. I was getting Vegemite on a knife, and I was smelling it. I was like, ooh, I can't smell it. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. I don't think I've ever had Vegemite, so I don't even know what Vegemite smells like. Um, like salt and yeast. Ugh. Yeah. No wonder people hate it. Yeah, but then you learn to love it because it's full of salt. <laughs> That's true. So you get an acquired taste to it, and then you can't ever kick it. And now I eat reduced salt Vegemite, because, as mentioned on my Twitter, I'm trying not to die by 30. So You hit 25, which your birthday was between recordings, so happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> happy. And you finally reach the age where you're like, I must live beyond this, so I cannot l- be youthful anymore. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I'm trying to cut out all fun. Like, I don't know, I'm at the stage where you move your neck and your neck is just sore for two days. I'm at the stage where I was at a wedding last week and my ears were ringing for two hours after because of the noise. See, the problem is that's been me since I was 15. Oh, so you've always been old. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I am I am a mess already, so <laughs> I'm trying to, like, fix it up a little bit, you know? I'm doing um, working repairs. Imagine how bad you're going to get by 30. Ugh, if I make it. Hence the reduced sold Vegemite. Also, you would just have dodgy knees from the start, so you're doomed. Ugh, yeah. My knees are doing okay. Mm. As I rub them. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's been plenty of fun. (laughs) Anything in the wrestling news happened since we've been gone? Uh, no, not at all. No wrestling news. Nothing big? We we talked about Vince on Raintakers, so... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's for the Patreons. Yeah, so if you would like to hear our more immediate reactions to Vince McMahon, where Liam was like, I don't want to talk about Vince, and then we still talked for five minutes about Vince. Well, yeah, I was like, I'm trying not to date these episodes. I want them to be, like, everlasting content. But then, you know, the biggest news story of our wrestling lives happened, so. Yeah, Vince is gone forever. We're all aboard the Paul Patrol. We're all politicians. Uh, politicians trademarked by me. We're Paul in. Uh, Paul in also a trademark by me. I am going to WWE Clash at the castles. So. <laughs> Just a shoot. If they I do am. another super showdown under, I'll be there. Celebrating Paul and his particular brand of professional wrestling. You'll wear skulls. We should wear skulls. Well, he better put some damn skulls on the shows. It's true. They're very skullless at the moment. There's that robot they roll out, the like Aor robot. They should turn that into a skull. What? Have you never watched the start of Raw or SmackDown? They have a robot. No. <laughs> they have a little robot mascot, dude. They have a robot? Yeah. Well, knowing Paul, it'll be a Terminator by the end of his run. It should be. That would be better. But um, really looking forward, and I'm glad that you'll get to see Global Force Wrestling legend Killer Cross as he wins the WWE Universal Championship. Yeah, if you would like to hear about the origins of Kevin Cross before he became a Carrion, you can listen to our DFW episodes. <laughs> it's very fitting that um, before he was re-signed, he had another match with Davey Boy Smith Jr. It is the match that convinced people and, frankly, tricked people into thinking he was good in the first place, and it's it's clearly done it again. I mean, as you know, you as a you are a fake pole fan. I am obviously a, a real pole fan, mm-hmm. and um, I am all in on bringing a pole in on bringing in Carrion Cross because fuck yeah, look at him—he's got cool hair and a cool jacket, and yeah, he beat up Drew McIntyre. <laughs> One more to you want from people? Get carry on my wayward son is the theme. That that's what Paul should do to win over us cynics, even though we're all aboard. He should start licensing music. That that would be the big mm. thing. Everyone would get on board if he does a My Way video package and gets Carry On My Way where it's done for Killer Cross. And also if he booked good shows. That might help too. The shows have been fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I watched a whole lot of fine shows. We're about to talk about them. Doesn't mean I'm fucking diving in. I didn't watch SmackDown because I don't think I ever will watch SmackDown. But I watched Raw and Raw was an easy watch. This is how you can tell I'm Paul Lint, baby. Mm-hmm. For the first time in like four years, I watched all the clips on the WWE YouTube channel. Whoa! That is the sign of me watching WWE. <laughs> that is the most I will ever commit to it, is watching the clips on the YouTube channel. It's so committed you should marry it. <laughs> Get married to the WWE YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be able to support our YouTubing family. That's true. They should signal boost our videos. I, I also reserve the right to stop watching if The Fiend returns. I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for The Fiend returning, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you would. Because <laughs> I'm a sicko. We already have one scary guy now. And he has hair. So. But what if the scary guys wrestled each other? Holy shit, maybe I am in. Now that's a Clash of the Castle I'd pay to see. Oh no. No, if The Fiend's a Clash of the Castle, I'll be on board. Uh, You will hear one person screaming at the top of his lungs, and that will be me. Please don't pretend that the WWE fans aren't into The Fiend. No, they'll be all like gasping, and and because The Fiend's a heel, they'll be like, boo, but then I'll be like losing my mind. It's like, woo, it's The Fiend! No, no, because that's like one of the three times they make noise is when the music hits, so... Mm, you make a good point. What if he just walks out? What if his music doesn't hit? 
Carrot, can you please sing the Fiends theme music right now? Do, 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 do. I don't know the words of the Fiends theme music. <laughs> I don't know the song. <laughs> I was going like, da, da, da. there's words that's there. Not the, it's Bray Wyatt's theme. I'm talking the Fiends theme. I don't even remember what the Fiends theme is. I, it's like a it's like a scary rock version of that. I uh, thought. Dur, dur, dur. <laughs> At my mouth. <laughs> what if the fiend was in two thousand and fourteen? Eh? He'd be having a match with Sonny Siaki, <laughs> like everyone else. Yeah, he'd be wearing weird tribal tattoo stuff on his shirt like abyss. Oh, there's actually a whole story that. They're, like, they made a bunch of new gear for the wrestlers going into TV, and a lot of the wrestlers thought it was terrible, but then a lot of, like, old-timers were saying, like, shut up. And I was looking at the gear, and I think, you know, most of it's fine, it didn't notice it, except for Abysses, which is horrible. I like Abysses because half the time it pops open, and you see a little Abyss tummy, and that's a nice little Easter egg for people, because you don't normally see a little Abyss tummy. You, you know what, you're right. We, we do deserve a little Abyss tummy in these hard times. As a treat. Just a little tummy. little Abyss tum-tum. But um, outside of... I didn't notice many new gears for people, so... Uh, AJ's probably the big one. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. But it's just the same gear as the old gear, but red. Yeah, and also just slightly better looking. Did, like, Michael Shane have new gear? I thought I noticed that his gear was a little different, but that's about it. Yeah. But yeah, that best gear is bad. Oh, and of course, Pat Kenny. Oh, yeah, his big bash whites. Yeah, big pay-per-view whites, which you should be wearing every week. Symbolizing the white and the Irish flag. Mm-hmm. Most people go for the green. It's The obvious thing is to go for the green. He's like, there's white in this flag too, so I'm going to wear white. Yeah. Is there anything else going on with you? I looked around my room as if to find something that was going on. To spark some inspiration? Um, I, I've changed my oop. pillow layout. Oh, I also changed my pillow layout. Because I'm a man who sleeps with three pillows. Uh-huh. And previously, because I don't want to wrap them in, like, three pillowcases, so it's two wrapped together in, one, in a pillowcase and one. And previously I did Wait, the... what? The, the, so you put two pillows in one pillowcase and then one pillow in another pillowcase. Instead of having them in three different pillowcases, because that's... So you want a bit of firmness. I have four pillows and each of them are in individual cases. Bougie household over here. <laughs> but And they're all new. Previously, I would do the the two on top, and I've since switched the two to the bottom, and I think it's improved. I would I would guess that would be improved. Mm. Now that I have, I had three. I'm on four now: two firm, two medium, mm-hmm. and um, I, I form them into like a V shape, where I put the two the two firm like in a V, and then I have one at the end under my head, and then like I can cuddle the other one or put it under my arm or like under my leg or something interesting <laughs> yeah so it's like i'm in like a throne of pillow well you know what good for you <laughs> i feel like i'm feeling a lot of judgment coming at my pillow setup right now and i and i'm just saying come from the guy who puts two in one pillowcase yeah it makes it which is easier, ridiculous easier to cuddle i'll have you know when there's two of them in one pillowcase i don't know. i don't have a problem <laughs> So if you want to hit somebody with the pillow, it has an extra little heft to it. <laughs> when you're in that life or death pillow situation. Yeah, when someone starts breaking into your house and you swing your <laughs> two pillows at them. One pillow, they'd be like, ah, I can overcome this. But when two pillows are there swinging at them, it's like, oh no, how could I have anticipated this? Yeah, now I'm knocked out. And then I will call the police. And then he'll sue me for excessive violence and he'll actually take all my money that way. It's a 
cold world. Better bundle up. For, for my entire life, I've been a sickle who sleeps with my socks on. Mm-hmm. And I, I've literally, finally, at the age of 30, switched to being a non-sock-wearing sleep person. It might, that depends on temperature. Mm. If, if it's really cold, I'm putting socks on because my little footsies are cold. But if it's regular, of course, shoot, uh, socks are off. I think it's because my current pair of socks are, are quite thick. Why do you have one pair of socks? Well, no, it's, it's a packet of socks, which are all the same kind of sock. Hmm. This is interesting. How many how many pairs of socks do you have? I don't buy single individual pairs of socks that are different. How many pairs of socks do you have? At the moment, I rotate between like three or four. What? This is ridiculous. I have like 15. But they're all like the same pack. I did like a real big sock clean out recently because there's a ton of them that are just like worn down and I'm like why am I still wearing these they're not good socks anymore yeah I did the same thing but also I still have like 15 pairs of socks I also have fun socks I'm a fun sock guy I wear plain white socks I only (laughs) this is stupid conversation I've only recently adopted white socks I was a navy socks guy because I went to a private school that forced us to wear navy socks and it didn't ever like click in my head that wasn't like normal everyday sock color Mm. until like five years ago (laughs) you finally had that moment of independence where you can be like i can wear whatever sock i want it wasn't even that it was like oh this this isn't the normal ones (laughs) in my head white socks are when you did sport Mm. and you wore navy socks for every other occasion but then i found out no it's white socks for everything and then formal wear is navy yes well, that was a big moment for me. And now I have socks with little uh, bananas on them, watermelons, cactus, other stuff. So as if this episode, with their 16 pages of notes, mm-hmm. wasn't going to be long enough, <laughs> we're like, let's do sock talk. Sock talk. Coming soon to the Patreon, sock talk. Some people who are like Bob Odenkirk would be very into sock talk, I think. Sock talk. Sock talk. Sock talk. To play on TikTok. Yeah. Or just general rhyming. <laughs> True. TikTok, just like Harry and Cross when he's going to win the universal title at Clash of the Fucking Castle. Carry on my way. <laughs> Still devastated that the Elite didn't get that as their theme music. Uh, so, before we get into the actual TNA at all, reminder, patreon.com slash kidding me if you would like all of our Patreon content, or com, of course. We have a watch-along of the first show of the month with the debut of King of the Mountain. We have a watch-along of the first episode of Impact Up, which is up there for free. So if you would like free. to test the watch-alongs, test the Patreon content, that watch-along of Impact episode number one is there free. We posted it uh, like a couple of weeks ago as a make good for Liam getting COVID. And... <laughs> It's a weird thing that I have to make good for. Yeah, you have to make it up for our audience that you're ill. From the most infectious thing that's ever plagued humanity. Well, maybe not ever plagued humanity, but recently, yes, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- uh, can you name any other thing that's plagued humanity to this extent? This podcast, some would say, oh. Oh. Or, you know, the other plagues. You can listen to our most recent episode of Rain Takers, which is covering Kazuna Road with a great Tanahashi against Tanaka main event for the IWGP heavyweight title also our next episode of rain Tigers will be covering the g1 on the 12th so that'll be coming up pretty soon too also our gfw series is halfway done we've covered two episodes of gfw we'll be covering the next two over the next couple of hours the next month or so next couple hours we're gonna do it right after this we're gonna watch both <laughs> so that's all at tnhr.com patreon.com slash kidding me if you would like to support us a little bit more 
Mm-hmm. And you get something in exchange. It's not just throwing money at us. You get the beloved content that you love. And if you do want to just throw money at us, you can also donate to the podcast. <laughs> Which I think is voiceswrestling.com slash donate. Yes. I don't plug, but I'm like, just why would you donate money when you could just subscribe to Patreon and but get it, something but, for but it? But have you thought about this, Garrett? Mm-hmm. If some uh, rich benefactor out there who loves the show, right? They see it, they're like, wow, I love the show, guys. I would love it if you guys just had, like, $1,000 microphone setups and 4K webcams and made this show video. They could donate, like, five grand in one go. All right, if you were exceptionally wealthy, and only if you're exceptionally wealthy. Yeah. (laughs) If you're like us, don't do it. But if you have a lot of money, drop it on us. Throw five grand away. Hey, guys, I solemnly swear... If you donate $5,000 to this podcast, we will watch any show you want us to watch. We'll watch it with you if you give us $5,000. We'll fly to your house and sit there. (laughs) No, no, that would take up most of the (laughs) $5,000. And here's another deal for you. You donate $50,000, you can pay for us all to go to Japan. (laughs) <laughs> and we can watch Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> live in person. Wait, so if they give us $50,000, they also then have to pay for us to go to Japan? So it's like more on yes. top of the 50000 <laughs> But then they, like, they'll be like our sponsor. Mm. I solemnly swear to everyone involved. We will laugh at your jokes and stuff. I mean, Garrett will, because he's nice. <laughs> I'll probably try to marry you <laughs> if you have $50,000 to throw away for that. And specifically to throw away toward you. No, then I know that I'll be, I will be uh, taken care of. Mm. So the big story, the main story from the month of June, the begin, it is the debut of TNA Impact. Mm-hmm. What a show. And a show that still runs to this very day. Yeah, we're 900 episodes and 18 years in, and this show's still going. So it is, like, I don't know, it's not to say it's one of the most important moments in wrestling history, but it is one of the longest running pro wrestling television shows that is still running today. And here it is, the moment of Genesis. Aha! That's not this show, though. We'll get to that eventually. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I'm very excited for Impact, A, because it's like 40 minutes long, mm-hmm. so that's really good, and B, it looks nice and looks like a top professional wrestling show. Yeah, so they've moved to the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. They have introduced the Six-Sided Ring, which will be their ring going forward. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Does it make a difference to you watching a Six-Sided Ring? It makes... Such a difference to watching this show. It's just something about the general aesthetic of it. Like, before it kind of felt like I was watching this weird shindy Mm. (laughs) with, like, random money put into it. Now it feels like I'm watching TNA. Yeah, so they have the Fox box at the top of the screen. Every match has a 10-minute time limit except for title matches, which have a 30-minute time limit. If they go to a time limit draw, it will be decided by the week's celebrity judge, which is, frankly, usually Dusty Rhodes. (laughs) Or Larry Zabisco. It's Dusty or Larry Z. They they did like the, the impact zone itself does look major league. It looks professional. They have a bit of pyro. They have the green lasers. They have the dual entrance tunnels on either side of the building. They have the mist shooting up from the ramp. Yeah, the crowd's super enthusiastic. It is like they've done little things to improve the asylum a little bit this month. I think they like got new lights and cameras. It does look a little bit better. 
but just the contrast of going from the impact zone, which does look major league and professional, to the asylum, which still looks a little dingy and downtrodden, is like every time I go from an impact to a, a pavey, I'm like, oh. Yeah, but and then the problem is, and the problem for me watching these shows is it feels impact looks so much better, but it feels like a B show. Mm. Like you're watching it, and it feels like the equivalent of of what I imagined would have been watching Explosion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I watch it, and it doesn't feel like anything actually takes place or matters, and none of the stars are on this show. And then the pay per view happens, and that's where everything actually takes place. Yeah, because they have themselves a little bit of a pickle for this period where they're doing both. Because they can't really do the good stuff on TV. And you can argue they're not doing good stuff on pay-per-view either. But that's a different point altogether. But at least they have stars on those shows. Yeah, but the, the, the idea is the TV is there to sell the pay-per-view. Which I think at this stage is probably a mistake on the whole. Especially doing that on a week-to-week basis. Because at least on a, like a monthly pay-per-view cycle, you can give some stuff to TV that you're not going to do on pay-per-view. Whereas on a weekly pay-per-view where you know you have to fill two hours every Wednesday... You gotta save some stuff for that, and what ultimately ends up happening is you get a bunch of, like, meaningless squash matches and throwaway X Division matches on TV. And it doesn't also help that they really have no stars. Well, that's the thing, is, like, it feels like something that would help sell these pay-per-views is if you had prominent, well-known guys like a Raven, like a Jeff Jarrett, like anyone, put them on this show, you know? It would do something for the pay-per-views, but those guys don't even show up. We, there's, like, one Sabu tag. Yeah, and, like, Jarrett's usually on the show in some capacity, but I don't think Raven has been on Impact at all yet. And part of that, we'll talk about, he has been injured uh, this month. He's He got injured early in the month, then re-injured himself in that Sanjay match. So, like, he hasn't been healthy, but he still hasn't, like, appeared in many angles or anything on Impact. So, like, Raven is probably your... Number one or number two star, depending how you view him relative to Jeff Jarrett, particularly during this era. Or how you view him relevant to Jeff Hardy. Well, yeah, Jeff is obviously number one star, big guy, once he debuts toward the end of the month. But he's not there for the start of the month. Mm. But, like, even something like, I I, I get, like, you know, Jeff is of one that you give away on pay-per-view. But, I don't know, I feel like having Jeff Hardy on your TV might do something for you. They, they will. They haven't signed Jeff yet, so... I know, but you had him. <laughs> but they wanted to debut on pay-per-view, and they, we'll talk about Jeff. There's With a, no build. There's a reason for that. <laughs> ah, good times. It, it might be the classic, they weren't entirely 100% sure he'd actually show up. So they did it on well, no that's build. Fair. Well, uh, we say no build, but there was four vignettes the night of. Mm, people call it around. It's like, you see these vignettes that are... Narrated by Jeff Hardy, obviously, for Jeff Hardy. And obviously made by Jeff Hardy, if you freaking watch him. That's the most Jeff Hardy, like, esoteric stuff imaginable. Well, it's, it's his voice. Yes. <laughs> but, like, it's like that um, one episode where RVD debuted, and they just mentioned something about it before the ad break. Mm. <laughs> so that everyone would be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Except this is a $10 price tag where everyone's like, huh? Everyone's like, huh? $10. <laughs> Do you think they sold any pay-per-views mid-pay-per-view on the premise of people going, wait, is that Jeff Hardy? Like, if you were to say, did they sell one? Probably. Yeah. Probably sold one. From Matt. Yeah. Especially when you realize it was going to be Hardy against AJ, which I think is a match people would want to see. 
Yes. Um, which is a match I was excited to see. You know, it's very funny. There's a lot of, like, PW Torture, like, how could you give Jeff Hardy seven minutes with AJ? It's like, what a burial of AJ that this WWE mid-carder comes in and gets seven mm. minutes. I was like, one, even in 2004, that I think that's off base. But when you look at, like, who Jeff Hardy is and who he became, that's such a stupid complaint. <laughs> Well, well, it's funny because like knowing, obviously, I wasn't there in two thousand and four, but watching it now, I was like, "Hey, it's cool." It's like two of the aces in company history wrestling each other. Mm. Especially when you look at the reaction Hardy gets, which is fucking enormous. Yeah, but the asylum made noise. I do think the asylum is better this month, and I think it's mostly because oh, let me let, oh, do you want to talk about D'Lo versus fucking Monty Brown? I, I do think they're gotten to about the idea that they might lose the shows to Orlando, so they're trying again. Oh, it's like um. The, when they started putting takeovers in buildings. Yeah, it's like, oh, full set. I was like, no, we will make noise again, we swear. <laughs> please give us the Iron Man match, please. So yeah, they, they debuted Impact. It is on the, the premiere <laughs> start time of 3pm in the afternoon on Fridays. Not ideal, but better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Before we go into the notes about the show, let's talk about the episode itself. The debut episode, which I thought, like... Say what you will about the episodes that came after and the degree to which it very quickly became a show which it, with enhancement matches that pushes the pay-per-view. I thought that first episode rocked. I thought that first episode was kind of like if you put the entire first year of TNA's ethos into one episode. Mm. Like, if they had fine-tuned their ideas that they presented in early NWA TNA pay-per-views, this is kind of what it would have been. Yeah. Because you had the focus on the X Division multi man, you had the fo- you had the tag team title match with America's Most Wanted, you had a cool squash with Abyss and and, Sh- and then Shark Boy getting a- an appearance in the show, and most importantly, you had AJ going over in an X Division multi man to become the champion, well, become the number one contender. But it was like kind of some easy early parallels to the first like year of NWTNA. It's kind of like they saw that and they're like, well, what do people like from our early presentation? Let's do that again for our first TV. Yeah, and it's like a, a very firm reboot where it's like, all right, we're on TV now. Everything, we're kind of starting from scratch. So we're going to put the belt on Jarrett. Ugh. We're going to put the, the exhibition title back on AJ and we're going to put the, the tag titles on AMW. So in theory, they're like, we're going to put the belts on, like, historically the best acts in each of the divisions and run with that, run with it that way. Which makes sense. Something I did enjoy about this month, and I guess because I don't want to leave this to the end when we're, like, depressed and tired about talking, so mm-hmm. let's I'll do it now at the start. Um, I thought this month had a lot of good build Mm. that had too much space to fill. If this was a four TV to a pay-per-view month and they did all the same kind of build, I think that would have led up to one really good pay-per-view because I thought you had a lot of cool stories going in there. Ironically, the one that I was least high on was probably the Jarrett and Ron Killing stuff, but I really enjoyed the tag title stuff with the Naturals. I really enjoyed the build to Cash and AJ. I enjoyed the Abyss uh, Eric Watts stuff. I even enjoyed, like, if the Pat Kenny tag stuff was just a mid-card thing leading to a pay-per-view, that would have been a fine thing, too. Jared Lynn Scott Demore as well. Yeah, Jared Lynn Scott Demore would have been a good payoff for the pay-per-view. There was a bunch of stuff that I was like, alright, I'm into this as... Like, and then Sabu Raven, right? So, there's a lot of stuff that I thought, if this was a condensed thing with not having to feel like 12 hours 
this would have been a really good month. Mm-hmm. But because we're doing pay-per-view every week and a TV every week, they had so much time to feel that everything just got bloated and blown out of proportion and they had to have build they had to have the payoffs off on different times because they had to start and get onto the next thing because they had to fill all this time. So going into it, I was like, I actually think the booking wise, there was a lot of really good stuff this month. It's just the way they're choosing to produce their television and produce their just their content in general isn't conducive to telling good stories. They're just stretching themselves, the wrestlers, the stories, and pretty much everything too thin over five, well, on average, four pay-per-views and four impacts a month, as opposed to using the impacts to promote the pay-per-views to have payoffs to go back to the impacts. It's it's just doing that on a week-to-week cycle, Just it just doesn't work, does it? Because you're watching these shows and you're like, there is a good pro wrestling company in here. Mm. It's just bloated out. So yes, Impact episode 1, June 4th, 2004, taped the day before from the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida. 850 people there, total sellout, turn away crowd. Fair enough, it's free, everyone's getting in for free. But still, very enthusiastic audience, felt like a hot promotion. Yeah, and um, boy did these guys love themselves some X Division Multiman Madness. Which is what most of this show was, so you know what, they read that crowd properly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, going into this uh, this month... One thing, and I think it's smart that they kind of saved him mostly for the impact zone. There was there was some of the pay-per-views, but Hector Gaza feels like a guy. Yeah, and they, they know he feels like a guy, and he's reached a deal where he'll be in most Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then work AAA on the weekends. But they, they, they do know very much what they have in Hector Gaza, and we'll talk about why it doesn't work out for various reasons. But it, it, it is not for lack of trying here. Because, like, yeah, it's, it's weird. The opening match, you would think... You know, put Jarrett there, put Styles there, put Raven there. Raven's not even on the first episode, which is apparently a point of contention for Raven, that he wasn't best pleased that he wasn't on the first episode. I don't think he's on any of the episodes of TV. Yeah, because he gets injured uh, early in... I think he gets injured in the dark match on the next episode of Impact. And again, he works that Sanjay match where he aggravates the injury and then is gone for most of the rest of the month. And I think a little while longer. I think he's out for four to six weeks. Then the thing with Raven is, though, you just have him talk. <laughs> just, like, one of these Sabu segments that you did on TV, just throw them on this one, you know? Mm. I think it'd be fine. But yeah, it's interesting. They open with Hector Garza, Amazing Red, and Sanjay Dutt versus P.A.P. Williams, Eric Young, and Bobby Roode. So they're they're opening the show with four or six guys who, for the most part, Hector Garza did work WCW, but for who, for the most part, have very little experience to the audience. It's not opening with the WWE guys. It is very much a statement of intent that we're like we're putting six of our guys out here first. We're going to give them some time. They're going to tear the house down. They're going to have a real darn good six man tag. Well, like, you look at this whole card, and there's not, like, really any WWE guys on it. Yeah, you guess nobody, really. Well, there's Dusty, and there's Jarrett and a promo, and Truth. That's about it. In terms of the actual matches, it's all their homegrown talent. Yeah, so I think it's a, it is a very good uh, first step in, you know? I I am, and also just coming out of this personally, after watching him for the last six months, I am so ready for a Hector Garza AJ Styles match, and if that match doesn't happen, I will be so depressed. <laughs> You'll have to see. Ooh. But um I yeah, I thought this was a really good um first impression for for impact and um you know, uh, having a crowd that actually cares helps too. Yeah, I I find that a lot for the TV. One the crowd is more interested and two because the matches have like a 10 minute time limit. It's so good. And I think because the wrestlers know they're wrestling in front of a larger audience both 
more enthusiastic in Orlando and obviously the larger television audience. We'll talk about the numbers in a minute in a, in a little bit. But because of that, I do think the wrestlers have a lot more urgency on impact than they do on the pay-per-views. Oh, it also feels like... I mean, like, the pay-per-views are where all the big story beats happen, but this is where, like, the better wrestling happens. Mm. And I think a part of that is, you know, the TV does feel more important, uh, even though it's not treated to the same extent. Like, by people's, like, performances and aesthetically and just watching as a viewer the tv looks and feels better the wrestlers just seem more interested working the tv than they do working the pay-per-views they're they're also probably more excited to be working in florida anti-nashville sentiment well and also they've been in nashville for two years now you know just a new environment that's probably a a big change of uh not change of pace but a change of scenery probably just helps them feel more revitalized and it probably it's the first time, well, maybe not the first time, because it, it, the people who worked the very first TNA shows probably felt bigly, both the first ones in Nashville that were in the Municipal Auditorium and the first ones in Huntsville. But it, mm. it's the first time in about two years that, that, that they probably go to work and it's like, oh, they see the big proper television studio with the lights and the pyro. It's like, oh, this actually feels like a a major league television presentation as opposed to the asylum, which is like, they can make it look relatively professional, but it's far from major league. Well, the big thing is, it, it feels like they've gone from indie to that next level above. Because mm. there was some, some of those Asylum shows looked so indie. And not even like indie in like the, like the cool way. <laughs> like in the, this is like your local indie. <laughs> mm. But now it feels big and important and there's production behind it and there's a crowd that's going off for it. Like a crowd that's got signs and is into it, you know? That isn't just tnhad.com. Doing the first, I think, this is awesome chance in company history. Yeah, it was it was good all around. Everyone seemed to be having a lot more fun with the, the studio tapings. Yeah, so Hector Garza pinned Bobby Roode here with the Torneo. Yeah, a fun, a fun little match here. Um, I, I thought Team Canada would go over because they're, they're such a, a pushed act at this point. But um, obviously, they feel like they have something with Garza because they kind of do. Everyone's really into Garza. Yeah, and they put Red here, even though he's he's not pushed whatsoever. Yeah, I got some things about Red, but I'll save it till the, the last show. Red does have a dodgy month. Mm. Uh, Abyss defeated Sharkboy, squash match, Black Hole Slam, then Popeye after the match, consoled Sharkboy for his loss. I, I desperately want, they showed us a bit on some of the later episodes, but I desperately want more Popeye and Sharkboy hanging out at Universal Studios. Yeah, they're wandering around, they're they're going down slides, they're having a good time at Universal Studios. You know Sharkboy's like, I got a sweet gig with this right now. <laughs> You know, AEW should do this with Dark. They should have, like, Luther and Serpentico going around with whoever the current Universal Studios mascot is. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Uh, AMW defeated Kid Cash and Dallas to become the NWA World Tag Team Champions for the fourth time. Uh, yeah, it's good to have the tag team titles on the best act in the company. Yeah, it's putting them out front and center, doing a title change on the first episode to make it feel important, and, you know, going back to all of your kind of, like... 1A acts instead of some of the maybe like actually there was nothing wrong with Cash and Dallas as tag champs they're they're a good team and good wrestlers mm, I've enjoyed Cash and Dallas together but um you know it's I like having AMW as a tag team champion so I'm not gonna lie it just feels right doesn't it mm. well also they better than anyone else AMW can make matches that you weren't excited for on the mid card of shows exciting particularly perhaps against Monty Brown and Abyss we'll talk about that in a minute hmm Mike Tanay introduced Dusty. He, they, they did, like, they went back to another classic TNA well, talking about tradition. <laughs> tradition. And later on, they introduced someone who's 
offended at how New York's been treated, so... <laughs> All of the classic TNA stories. There's no women in cages yet. So yeah, Dusty's talking about tradition. And uh, Jared comes out, calls Dusty old and washed up. He just says he's going to take five paces and Dusty better be gone. Dusty was not gone. Slapped him with his hat, started punching him. Jared makes a comeback, grabs a guitar. Truth makes the save, but Truth's a giant dork, so he gets hit with the guitar instead of Dusty before Trill K makes the actual save. So um, we aren't at the peak, but we are firmly in... Jeff, Jarrett, chair shot, wee whoop, wee whoop time. <laughs> like, this is what, when people think of Jeff Jarrett, this is what they think of. Yeah. And they managed to kind of toe the line early on and not be this, but now we are firmly in it. I don't think, I think there will be a time where it gets to almost the point of parody, mm. but right now it's just earnest, which I don't know if that makes it worse or better, but. We haven't gone to, we get the joke. This is just them doing it, and it's, like, over the top. Although, there's a great payoff to it in the, the truth match. Yeah, and it's the, 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 the guitar is the story of the month, but we'll talk about that when we're doing broad topics. But yeah, the, the, it's particularly egregious here, I think, because, you know, Jared goes to hit Dusty, truth makes the save, and that's the end of your segment, you know? Yeah. You're you're literally doing it just so Jared can have the last laugh and Truth will look like a nerd on your television debut. And we're hitting the second feud now. Maybe we should keep a tally as we go on. But this is the second Jared title feud where it feels like the only payoff worth having is him losing the title. Mm-hmm. But that isn't what happens. Not for a very long time. So we've had it. First, first victim of not winning the title when they need to, Chris Harris. Mm-hmm. Second victim, Ron Killings. We'll, I'm sure we will see how this list progresses as we continue on. They did a feature on the X Division. Then we have the new backstage interviewer, Shane Douglas. Uh, we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, he wants to know who the fourth man in the main event is. He's asked in Vince Russo. It's a, an X Division number one contenders match. We know Chris Saban, Neil Skipper, and Michael Shane are, are three of the four. Turns out the fourth man returning to the X Division is the phenomenal AJ Styles. Yeah, and um, I mean, listen... <sighs> Am I happy that AJ Styles isn't, like, the NWA champion? No. But when he was, he was sucked up in Vince Russo, Jeff Jarrett bullshit, so maybe just having him as the face of the X Division is just as, is better for him. I know the TNA at the time would make the argument that the X Division is not lesser than its equal, which at this stage isn't true. I think AJ makes it true because he's fucking better than everybody else in the company. So by the time we reach 2005, I think AJ single-handedly makes that true and maybe even the X Division is greater than rather than lesser than. So like here it is very clear, shunted down to the X Division, not across. But also, I think you're right that he's just better off here where you can have good matches with good wrestlers and not have to deal with the endless slew of bullshit that comes with guitar shots and hidden guitars and multiple authority figures and all the nonsense that comes with Jeff Jarrett, comes with Vince Russo, comes with the main event scene. He can just be AJ. And I think this month more than any month, he is AJ. Like, he is the AJ of TNA that you know. Like, the TNA ace AJ Styles. He feels like that this month. And, like, you just look just look at it. Would you rather be AJ Styles this month or Ron Killings this month? Mm, that's a very easy answer. So, there you go. Which position is it better to be in? 
Yeah, so Styles pins Shane with the Styles Clash. Kazarian comes down, stare down AJ because they'll face for the title on the next pay-per-view. That's the first episode of Impact. I, As I said, I thought this was a really good statement of intent. I was going to say it's a good representation of what TNA is. I think it's almost a misrepresentation of what TNA is. It's a representation of t- what TNA could be and what a lot of people maybe wanted TNA to be and what TNA complains that their fans don't perceive TNA to be. Mm. It's like, hey, you did it for a night. How about you do it every night? Which I think, you know, I mean, that's that's every company, right? That's every company, especially in American pro wrestling ever. It's like when they hit it, you're like, why can't you hit it all the time? Mm. Because you had, like, guys like Garza, guys like Abyss, guys like AMW, guys like AJ being the, the featured acts as well as Jarrett. And it felt hot. It held, felt high energy. It was a really fast hour of wrestling. It was, I think, as perfect of a debut episode as they could have asked for. Like I said, it's a good um, representation for a lot of people who may have seen them for the first time. I wonder how many pay-per-views this sold, though. Yeah, I would say not very many. And I think ultimately the answer is not very many. Yeah. I don't know if I saw this, I was like, oh man, I have to tune in the pay-per-view to, to see what happened with uh, 3LK and Jeff Jarrett. I'm sure, like, the first few got a curiosity bump. And especially because, like, the, the anniversary show was at least, like, a very hard-pushed show, which is, the what, the third or fourth show of the month. So I'm sure a, a couple of those got a little bit of a boost, and, like, the asylum attendances went up, and the asylum energy went up a little bit. But I think by the time you get to July, people are just happy watching their impact and happy avoiding the the weekly pay-per-views. Yeah, and to be fair, I think the anniversary pay-per-view did feel big. Mm. I don't think it necessarily hit everything out of the park, but I was watching it and I was like, this does feel like a big, important show. So a bunch of notes about Impact itself. In a few markets, their regional sports channel preempts TNA Impact for other programming, but the vast majority see the show at the standard Friday 3pm time slot. I think like I think it's New York and Philly or a couple of those markets where it's preempted and they're aired at real weird times. So it's it is strong wrestling markets where it's being preempted, but nonetheless they still have clearance across the majority of the FSN networks. Because as uh, if you remember, FSN is not like one. Well, it, it does have a national feed, but it's not generally one channel. It's a, a collection of regional sports networks that have some national programming, but the big attraction is the local sports and. For the most part, they got clearance across all of those regional sports networks there, three in the afternoon on Fridays. It's kind of what um, you saw with uh, Ring of Honor and Sinclair's networks. Yeah, if you were trying to look at the time Ring of Honor aired at, it was all over the place. Which was also impossible to track down. (laughs) And, like, even, like, because they used to upload, like, their shows the week after on their website. Mm. But because of the nature of how it aired... Sometimes it just wouldn't be on there for like two days extra. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> you really wanted to see the Ring of Honor Pure tournament and they were keeping it away from you. No, this was before that. This was like, I really wanted to see the Briscoes take on the Headbangers or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> the first show received rave reviews for its state-of-the-art presentation and production values. The decision to begin and end the show with exhibition matches was not without its second guessers, but ultimately Jeff Jarrett and Josh Mantel decided the best way to combat WWE and grab attention of channel flippers was to fight WWE on a different level, one in which they can't compete or won't compete, and that being contemporary athleticism and high spots. 
that's a, a a reasonable and balanced take on how to present your show in comparison to the biggest show in the world. Yeah, so instead of sending Raven out there immediately, instead of doing the Dusty and Jarrett segment to open the show, they're like, nope, we're going to go high energy, wrestlers you've not seen before, this is TNA. But, you know, you can sprinkle some Raven in there, I feel. I don't think you need to cut him out completely. Well, like... Jarrett makes the case that that they need a clean slate heel champion for the start of television. If you listen to his podcast, they talk about this, that he's like, you know, television is, is something new. It's a new audience. We need to start from scratch. And the easiest way to do that is heel champion, babyface chase, which is not a completely legitimate argument. But then the question would be, well, why did it have to be you, Jeff? Why did you have to be the heel champion? Why couldn't it be Raven? Why couldn't it be heel Raven? doing this with anyone else because if i'm honest if i were to just like see that argument i think i would go let's go with raven like he has the name from wcw and wwe it'll be his first title run it'll feel fresh he's been do- doing good stuff for the most part up and down our card for a year year and a half now uh let's pull the trigger on raven going into tv and have like aj and harris chase him but like they're no yeah. jared's like no I'm going to pull the trigger on me again for the third time. I'm going to have Truth chase me and kick AJ and Harris off to the secondary divisions. It feels a lot like a man who wants to make a television show all about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's um, bits and pieces here to it. Like I see point. I see some points. I see things that feel like giant mistakes. But like, what are you? What are you going to do at this point? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just see where it goes. You're going to be saying that for a year, buddy. Yeah. But oh, when he loses, it's going to be such a good moment. Right, Garrett? Yeah, sure. Sure. Right? Yep, yep, definitely. It's going to be it's going to be worth it, right? 100%. And the guy who beats him is going to have a really long reign. Really long. <laughs> super long reign. Bob Carter, the head of Pound Energy, was present at the Universal Studios tapings and appeared to be pleased with the experience. Me too, Bob. Vince McMahon said in an interview on TSN in Canada that he doesn't consider TNA competition because they're wrestling, we're entertainment. Yeah, well, Vince, how about Paul saying this week or whatever that we're wrestling now? How do you feel about that, Vince? Yeah, it only took 18 years, but we finally proved the TNA won this war. And wrestling yeah, wins. They, they brought <laughs> wrestling back. Well, I mean, NXT was basically a TNA parody company. <laughs> TNA saved professional wrestling is what I'm saying, Liam. And put it on a shirt. Well, they were thinking about that. Like, there are people internally who want to use that, uh, their wrestling, or we're wrestling their entertainment or whatever Vince said. The, like, direct quote from Vince, like, as the marketing slogan, which they probably should have. I was gonna say, that's not bad. <laughs> they're wrestling, we're entertainment. Dash, Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh. There were three matches that took place at the debut Impact tapings at Universal Studios on June 3rd that did not air the next day. Uh, the opening match, Sonny Siaki and Irish Pat Kenny, and Desire beat Trinity, Glenn Gilberti, Johnny Swinger. Heavy Metal beat Frankie Kazarian, and then there was a big gauntlet that Ron Killings won, eliminating Monty Brown in the end. I'm glad that those weren't the matches they chose. Yeah, so they flew a bunch of people down there just to wrestle random matches. I don't, I don't think they've ever released any of those matches. I assume they taped them. Have to track them down. Holy Grails! <laughs> Coming soon to the Patreon. Yo, this Ron Killings gauntlet match. We need to see it. Pat Kenny versus Sonny Siaki or whatever. <laughs> Heavy metal against Frankie Kazarian? Whoa! Well, well that I do want to see. Desire and Trinity before they do the worst match I've ever seen? 
before the show began, Jimmy Hart and Johnny Fairplay welcomed the fans. They didn't put Fairplay on TV, which was a point of contention for Fairplay that we'll talk about in a sec as well. But yeah, Jimmy Hart has a, a bigger backstage role with TNA these days. He's like the point guy for Universal Studios, and he's working backstage. Okay. Okay, Jimmy. And obviously waiting to get Hulk Hogan back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan's coming in any day now. Jeff Jarrett was on a local Orlando radio station called Monsters in the Morning on Thursday to promote the debut of Impact that night. He got into an argument with the host as an angle to get people talking to get him down to the Impact Zone. Cool. TNA management was extremely pleased. Jeff Jarrett loves doing local radio. <laughs> he loves doing local radio angles as well. He can never just go on the show. He always has to do a bit. Well, yeah. I mean, he's a heel, you know. They're not. They're not sending AJ up there to do it, are they? Because in, in like the build to the Hogan thing, remember when they did the like the Jimmy Hart angle where he yeah. stormed the radio station? That was a good angle, though. To be fair, yeah, they should have recorded this one too. That was in his Stone Cold days. He's still in his Stone Cold days. No, he's not. <laughs> this is this is we whoop we whoop guitar shot Jeff Jarrett. TNA management was extremely pleased with the Thursday night tapings in Orlando even before they began post-production work. Part of the reason is that the crowd couldn't have been better. They were enthusiastic, many of them knew TNA's top wrestlers, and it was mostly teenage and 20-something guys, giving the crowd a more hip feel than the Nashville fairgrounds where the pay-views take place. The key demo. <laughs> Young men. Jerry Moore even remarked to the crowd that they were better looking than the Nashville crowd, and he takes some heat that. Uh, well, it's fine. None of the Nashville crowd know how to work the computer anyway. I'm the Jeremy Borash of this podcast. I love the Florida crowd. Bunch of hideous uggos over there in the asylum. Look at yeah. look at you pretty people here in, in the impact zone. Thank God we're getting out of that schlup. <laughs> in a press release announcing the use of the six-sided ring for the Fox Sports Net show, Jeff Jarrett said, The six-sided ring brings professional wrestling into the 21st century. Wrestling, like any sport, must evolve through time, and total non-stop action wrestling's continued innovation is an example of that. Our athletes will now have more angles, moves, and space to showcase themselves, and TNA Wrestling as the new wrestling alternative. Uh, that's me trying to talk to Scott in 2022 about bringing back the six-sided ring. They do constantly talk. Like, anytime somebody does a dive, Mike Denae is always like, that's because of the six-sided ring. It's like, there's more angles, there's more sides, there's more stuff they can do. But to be fair, I get that. Like, for a lot of people, this is the first time they're seeing a six-sided ring. Mm. Why not, like, push it as like, wow, look how cool and interesting and different this is. We're wrestling, they're entertainment. Oh, that should be their slogan. Yeah. I find this one interesting because I think, like, ten years later, the flip side becomes the case, but TNA wrestlers are excited that due to tourists at Universal Studios every week, many fans each week in the arena will not be weekly regulars. In the Asylum in Nashville, the regulars tend to get burned out on certain characters and somewhat jaded, so a fresh mix of fans each week, TNA wrestlers and management feel, would help keep fan reaction remain at a higher level. I think good shows keep the fan reaction at a high level. They keep doing this, don't they? It's like there's some magic reason <laughs> that the crowd aren't responding other than the shows are good or bad. Yeah, that's every cop-out from every promoter ever. Because the exact same, like, the exact opposite thing begins to happen, like, in Orlando. It's like, oh, it's only a bunch of tourists who don't care, so they're not making noise. Even though you watch this episode of Impact and you see them absolutely lose their shit at freaking every single dive. So Sanjay does do a Dragon Rana in that first match. That is worth losing your shit at. There's a lot of stuff worth losing your shit at on that first show. 
Yeah, just produce good television and people will react to it. Stop making excuses for your crowd not giving a shit about your shitty, boring television. Mm -hmm. Fans had begun to line up for the debut of Impact at 2pm in the afternoon and waited in line for 5 hours in 100 degree high humidity weather. Well, let me just do a little bit of math to see if I'm impressed by this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's warm. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't like doing it in a humid 37. Mm. Oh, I, if it was a sunny 37, grow up, that's a great day. Let it be known, 37 degrees is warmer than it has ever been in Ireland. Ever. Uh, trust me, we're, we would we were discussing this heat wave that you're going through lately. <laughs> Which was like two days where it broke 30 and then back down to like below 20. And we're like, no, we can't handle it. It's too much for us. I do hate to be like the I come from hot place, ha 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 thing. But literally have had 50 degree days where my car has started melting to the road. <laughs> Yeah, but have you considered that it's 30 degrees here and it's very hot? Sounds like a wonderful day. As long as it's not humid. Humid in 30s sucks. That I will admit. It's like the, the, wor- the, the highest temperature in the history of Ireland is 33. So there you go. And that was in like 1890. So... <laughs> 50.8. Is the highest recorded temperature in Australia? In Mildura. <laughs> uh, I think like... I think it's been higher since then. I think we hit above that, but yeah. Just awful. 50.7. Mm. I wonder what Melbourne is. Because I'm pretty sure we held it for a while. You were like the death pit of Australia? Well, just Victoria. Mm. Uh, Melbourne's highest is 47. Ugh, that's nothing compared to your 50.8. A poultry 47 in February of 2009. But, uh, like, which is funny, because, like, that's just, like, one section. Like, you go to, like, you know, the 60% of our country that is desert <laughs> that we never talk about. Where there aren't people, the weather doesn't count. Yeah, basically. I mean, how are we supposed to know? There's no one. Only the kangaroos know how hot it's out there. And the camels. There is concern among the wrestlers as to whether Impact viewers will accept the low-budget qualities of the pay-per-view events held in Nashville. They have to get out of Nashville now, said one wrestler. Others say that while the production downgrades will disappoint some viewers, they expect most fans to be satisfied as long as the matches and storylines are strong. <laughs> well, then, yeah, well, the fans are going to be satisfied. That's some really optimistic thinking. There has been some talk since the show that company officials were considering the idea of moving the pay-per-views to Orlando as well. However, an informed source reports that the company first planning to upgrade the set, lighting, and production in Nashville and keep the Wednesday shows there. Please, God, just cancel the shows. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I'm going back to the future to tell you. Please. Please just stop the shows. Just immediately switch to the monthly pay-per-view model. You'll be much better off. What if we just do... What if we just skip the next, like, two months? Nope. Well, it was worth a shot, guys. I tried my best. The word being spread out of the TNA office is that FX officials were blown away by the Impact debut and have expressed interest in bringing the show to primetime on their cable network. Of course, both FX and Fox Sports are owned by Fox, so if FX is serious enough, they should be able to work something out quickly. Hell yeah, I want to do my Walking Dead X TNA crossovers. <laughs> uh, two things that kept going long past the point they should have. I think Walking Dead is still going. God, and there's like three spin-offs. How have they not given up on The Walking Dead yet? Well, they're doing a new one that brings back all the characters people liked, so I think that one's going to do well. Oh, that's nice. They're like, hey, what if all the characters that made this show popular were back? <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Uh, that's revolutionary thinking. Mm, I should finish that show eventually, just out of, like, a point of pride. I don't know, if keep it still going, there's just no end point. Even if there's spin-offs, there's, it just never ends. 
Well, the spin-offs are still going, but it's the last season of The Walking Dead proper. I don't know, like, every season of that show is the exact same. Uh, yeah. It's all like, we have found a place we think will be our safe haven. Oh no, it's not! And that, rinse and repeat, season after season. I mean, like, isn't that... Wouldn't that be how it is? <laughs> yeah, but you have to find some new interesting story to tell instead yeah, of like... But Garrett, Garrett, what if I told you... Mm-hmm. The people were the real monsters. Whoa, that's a revolutionary take, Liam. You should write something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not It's not the zombies. It's the people. I see how it is. It's the people. They have, like, tigers and swords. Mm. And, like, no morals. Dusty Rhodes is trying to angle himself into power. He was suggesting pushing for a 9pm Monday time slot, which was the consensus among just about everyone asked, including both Jarrett's, if they could pick their slot on FX. Right now, they are only in early talking stages. Fucking leave the Monday Night War dead, you stupid idiots. I like how they're like, this is the idea. Let's go. Not just, hey, maybe if we put it on, like, our own night, people might watch it. Mm. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I want to see, see, again, this is my problem. I get, I hear things like this and I'm like, I want to know what that world looks like. The world where they got on FX. And went to war? No, 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 it's not necessarily on the Monday time slot. Because <laughs> I know what would happen if they went to war. We saw it <laughs> in like 10 years from now. And that was during a period when they had millions of viewers watching every week as opposed to hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hundreds of thousands. So the debut of Impact on June 4th drew a preliminary number of a 0.16 rating based on markets that aired in its regular time slot. TNA in the mud. That would translate to maybe 100,000 homes. <laughs> That's like a rampage number. <laughs> the final ratings for these shows, because of the different types, lots of figure on different stations, won't be available until three weeks after the show takes place. For the network and the time slot, it was considered a good number. That is roughly half of what the uh, the network's flagship best damn sports show does at night. But Garrett, yeah. what is the demo? <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about the demo here. We just care about total audience. What?! But I, but the demo is the most important, Garrett, because that's the one that the advertisers look at. Don't you know? After the last three years of constant discussion. No, I don't. I don't. <sighs> Where's my fast national? <laughs> this is the fast national, basically. Oh, cool. When's our cheese board? <laughs> yeah, come on, Dixie. Oh, follow her on Twitter. Send us a ham. Ooh, I need, I need a ham. <laughs> So that number was revised from a 0.16 up to a 0.22 when the final number came in. And then the second episode did a 0.32 rating, which would be in like the 200 and something thousand range, the low 200 thousands. Those are Dave estimates, by the way, I believe, not the actual numbers. Uh, the the uh, uh, audience figure, not the rating. The ratings are accurate. The audience figure is a Dave guesstimate based on the rating. But yeah, so they're doing somewhere in like the 150, 200,000 range, which is pretty good on FSN. It's up there with what FSN is doing for their best damn sports show, which is their flagship show that's not local sports. So good numbers, basically. Damn, that's like half of Ring of Honor towards the end. <laughs> and Ring of Honor aired on like 700 different networks. <laughs> Uh, remember that, that day that came out and, like, I forgot, joke off or whatever, it was like, yeah, it's in, like, 600,000 600, homes. And you're like, whoa, I don't believe you. Yeah, it's mostly, like, 70-year-olds falling asleep with Ring of Honor on after the local news. But I mean, hey, if it works for NXT 2.0. It's true. That is the, the prime demographic you're aiming for. Do you think wrestling is just the old? Is that the problem? I think it's 
made by people who have been making it for 20 years and have no idea what young people want. And remember, if you are a rich fan of the show, you can donate to us. And for a small donation of $9.7 million, we will start up a promotion with you. Like, even when you look at Tony Khan, who is a young person, like, his influences are old wrestling. So that bleeds onto his show. So, like, his show isn't even, like, the, the bastion of wrestling aimed at young people. It's just wrestling. It's good wrestling, but it's still just wrestling. Mm. So there's there's nothing really in wrestling in the last 20 years that's, like, NXT 2 more is trying in the obnoxious way. Where it's like, we're going to have Wade yeah. Barrett say simp every 15 seconds. It's like... It's lit! That's, that's how do you do fellow kids wrestling. But... Yeah, there's no new wrestling for young people. Mm. Thought... One day, maybe, huh? Well, like, in theory, that's what WWE is, right? They're the kid wrestling that graduate to the AEW, which is the teen and adult wrestling. Well, sure. I mean, in theory, it was Dragon Gate for, like, a decade. <laughs> for US fans? Oh, uh, no, I meant in general. I can't really think of anything else. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, like, I can't say there's any promotion for the youths. No. Maybe like um, maybe it is just WWE based on like scale, based on scale. Yeah, like maybe like that is just how it is. Mm. But you know, I also feel like this is a very weird tangent to go off on. But hey, we're doing a wrestling podcast. Let's talk about wrestling. I think that um, as WWE has become slightly more niche while keeping a lot of its global presence that other wrestling has started to come with it. Mm. Like, nowadays, people who find WWE are very quick to find an AEW or a New Japan or Indies, you know what I mean? Mm. I think I think the crossover is more than there has been in a long, long time. Because now I have people who go up to me and they're like, oh, I used to watch WWE, but I saw this AEW thing. And I'm like, that's crazy to me. Because I've only grown up ever in a world where, like, here people called wrestling WWE. Yeah. Like, they didn't say, oh, you like wrestling. They say, oh, you like WWE. Sorry. Like, and I feel like that perception has changed a lot recently. It helps when you have a strong number two competing. Well, yes. Uh, but, I mean, like, I think it, th- I think this change has been in the air since, like, 2015. I don't think it's been at, at a peak. But I think it's been trending in this direction. I do think, like, it largely comes from the internet being pervasive, that, you know, back in 1999, you knew WCW, you knew WCW, and there was no way for a smaller company really to break through without television. Whereas mm. now, if you Google wrestling, you'll get, like, a smorgasbord of just tons of different wrestling companies, or that 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 was just harder to do. It was just harder to find out about other things in 1999. But also, like, if you're, like, 15 year old WWE fan and you follow them on YouTube and you click a WWE clip there's a good chance an AEW clip will pop up right next yeah, to it. Yeah the algorithm is helping. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah and that's, and that's not even just AEW there's a good chance of like you search any wrestling thing you click on it then like an impact clip will come up or a, uh, someone some indie that I had a match with someone related to it in it at one point will come up like the it's it's not hard. It's it's not hard to be accidentally exposed to other elements of wrestling. Now. Yeah, even if you're searching for Sting, you might find a WCW clip, you might find a WWE clip, you might find an AEW clip, or you might find a TNA clip. Yeah, which I uh, you know, and even like if it's something that's like, oh, I'm going to search Kevin Owens. Oh, Kevin Owens rumored AEW video, seventeen of them in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
the, like there's no way for you to be completely in the bubble anymore. Mm. Like even if you're just someone who watches WWE SmackDown and WWE Raw, there's no way to be in the bubble anymore. Unless you're like a 50 year old who doesn't use the internet. Because there's references to other companies now. So like just by watching the one promotion, you're gonna and pick up some things. Like, if you, in the last five years, if you were someone who literally only watched SmackDown and Raw and never went on the computer ever, you will still have heard of New Japan, mm. and you would have heard a reference to AEW, because they were things that were just mentioned now. Which is good. That's what it should be. Yeah. Well, it's like, if you, yeah, if you're that person, at some point, you know that AJ Styles was an IWGP champion in Japan. You wouldn't know he's a TNA champion, though. Well, that's uh, wrestling, their entertainment. Oh, of course, yes. That's my mistake. Yeah. New yeah. Japan famously also entertainment. <laughs> Yes. I mean, have you seen it? Uh, But yeah, like, in general, like, uh, it's just a more open, easily accessible world, which I guess just comes with the passage of time and the the way that the internet and social media has evolved. And and Logan Paul. Well, yeah, Logan Paul helps too. He's the man of the youth. The youth warrior. He's impulsive. God damn it. The Paul there is actually referring to Triple H, not Logan Paul. Ooh. Yeah, I'm a politician. A Logan politician. There was considerable controversy about Fairplay not being on the first TV show, and some regarding Raven as well. The feeling was that Fairplay put TNA over on the final Survivor episode and the company hasn't used him. The flip side is the feeling that he's not worthy as a performer because he gets so fidgety and nervous. He was openly complaining at the show and went to owner Bob Carter, who made a rare appearance at the show, not realizing that it hasn't done anyone any good to go over Jeff Jarrett's head because the Carters know that they don't know wrestling like the Jarretts and leave the talent decisions to them. So old Johnny Fairplay wants to get himself on television and just stuck his mouth in it. I mean, I don't blame him, but like, isn't he like one of the few guys who are actually signed to a deal? Well, like most of the wrestlers are signed to deals these days because of television. But yeah, they signed him to a deal, and he's not the show. Though there's a vignette for him to debut at the very last show of the month, the last Impact. Yeah, so we will, we will see how that goes. Yeah, so old Johnny Fairplay being out in the cold. He's put over TNA on Survivor. TNA's just using Johnny Fairplay for his clout, not willing to give Johnny Fairplay opportunities. (laughs) I mean, yeah. <laughs> it should be how you do it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> that's how That's how being a celebrity guy works, man. Shane Douglas has retired from wrestling and plans to work as an agent behind the scenes for TNA and a backstage interviewer. He appeared to be in great spirits in his new role behind the scenes last week. He always had a rep for being very open to giving advice and helping wrestlers walk through plans for their matches or interviews. He is said to be excited to focus his attention in that area. Jerry Lynn also worked as a backstage agent, but he will remain as an active wrestler. Yeah, um, I think those are two good minds to have behind the scenes. Obviously, Jerry Lynn still doing that to this day, not the active wrestling part, but being an, an agent backstage. Mm-hmm. Always a fun uh, name and face that you see pop up on a Dynamite or a Rampage in a pull them off of each other segment. There was a funny note that Shane Douglas is especially happy because he just likes, you know, he likes feeling wanted, you know, young wrestlers having to go up yeah. to him and ask his opinion on things. He's like, ooh, franchise, let me tell you. Well, that's always a, a common theme, right? Especially from the agents who left Jittery to go to AEW. They're like, oh my god, I actually get to help. Mm. Apparently he plans to work some indies here and there. But yeah, he's he's done with wrestling on a mainstream level. And this, this is pretty much it. He does make a return in 2009 for Langley with Daniels heading into Slammiversary. But this is pretty much the last time Shane Douglas would have been an active wrestler on a wrestling television show. I'm curious what Shane Douglas's last match was. Oh, he still does some indies here and there. Oh, he has worked a lot. Yeah. He's worked 12 times this year. 
franchise is still going. This this 2004 quote unquote retirement it did not stick. He's working at T Mart Promotions, ECWA, AIW, ASW, IWR, PWM, BOTB, SWF. Oh Jesus Christ! WCPBTW. That's a lot of initials. And MCW and ICW no holds barred, of course. TK should bring in franchise. And do what? Put him with Titus Alexander. <laughs> the future franchise. The new franchise. The the new new franchise. The new Neo franchise. One of the reasons Jerry Lynn is shifting to being an agent is because one of his shoulders is in really rough shape. Plus that 41 is no, he knows his time as an active worker is limited. He's clearly working really hard at being a great agent, says one TNA source. We'll see some more Jerry Lynn, but uh, in August, basically, he's done for a long while. We won't see him for a year after that. And then, and then of course, one night stand, baby. One night only, but sure. One night only, <laughs> baby. You know, I said it in my, my, my brain had it right, but my mouth did it oh, wrong. That's always the worst. <laughs> he does uh, return for a little run in 0607, but yeah, we won't have much Jerry Lynn left. You know, I, I actually this not it's not a story because it's about Jerry Lynn, but I love his last match with RVD. The one night only one or the one at Destination X 2011. The one night only one. You prefer to the Destination X one? I don't know. The Destination X one doesn't stick as well in my brain, but I definitely remember the one night only one. I really like that mm, one. That's nice. You got to do that match one more time. I look forward to covering it in 2032. I was always, because AJ was out doing some angle at that stage, because it was the start of 2013, mm-hmm. so it was leading into, like, broody AJ, and I, I was yeah. always a little sad they didn't do, like, one more AJ and Jerry Lynn match. Oh, that would have been cool, wouldn't mm. it? I, I hope everyone looks forward to our One Night Only series, which will be on the $10 tier of our Patreon in a decade. I'm starting a new tier for One Night Only, it's going to be, like, $40. <laughs> It's one night only, it's $40, and it's a live watch-along. And if you're not there, you don't get to see it. Yeah, it is literally one night only. Oh! Boom, we got it. (laughs) Jerry Jarrett attended Wednesday, July 2nd pay-per-view, his first since undergoing bypass surgery last month. However, he did not fly to the Orlando tapings, which is too bad, because he's the co-founder. But he did go to the second set of tapings, I believe, so he's back up in his feet. What? How nice was it to see Jerry Jarrett at Ric Flair's last Honestly, like, I was so pleased, because, like... He hasn't been around wrestling in a long time, and he's a very important figure in wrestling for many reasons, and it's, it was just nice to see him. And uh, uh, there's the joy on Jeff's face mm. while his dad was talking to the guy, and you just see the little, he, he's like under his dad's arm, and he's just looking at a big smile on his yeah, face. Yeah, look at these two on television with Jared Lawler too. But that's, <laughs> I, hope, um, I hope the Jareds are in a better place together, because as we've heard throughout literally almost every month of this company's history can be quite tumultuous yeah their relationship was a little rocky during this era mm, so um, i hope that uh, things have smoothed over for them the extent that jerry needed heart surgery i tell that we can blame jeff for that. can't we <laughs> listen we're gonna blame jeff for a lot of things throughout the, the history of this podcast so i think we need to put his father's heart on it blame russo for that uh yes yeah, so oh, we can i can accept uh, blaming russo for that the X Division is going to get a major renewed push in TNA as management believes without big names to draw fans. The best way to create stars and stand out from WWE is to prominently feature the best athletes, especially as WWE continues to phase down or out the Cruiserweight division on SmackDown. <laughs> Styles has been moved into the X Division, which he is thrilled about because he can have better matches. Styles is probably the TNA wrestlers most openly concerned with being matched against wrestlers he can have standout matches with. He is uh, he also is excited about being part of re-establishing the division as an equal to the heavyweight division. 
I read, you know, you read that line, that uh, sentence to me, and I was like, Paul London, man, I miss you. Yeah, you made the wrong call, Paul. Uh, if, uh, <laughs> we're a politician, damn it. Oh, oh, Paul. Until you get to, like, 2006 and you have a cool tag team run, but that's, that's like, two years away from here. You could be the, you could be the 1B in the X Division. It could have been Joe... Styles, Daniels, London. The classic four-way. <laughs> Unbreakable 2005. The famous five-star match featuring Paul London. Yeah, that would have been nice. Anyway, that was my cool way of getting you to the next one, which is Samoa Joe related. You see how I did that? I, like, set you up for Samoa Joe. Thank you for being such a podcast professional. Mm-hmm. So in an interview with Torch Talk, Wade Keller asked about TNA with Samoa Joe. Keller's question. Do you want to read Roger? You be Keller, I'll be Samoa okay, Joe. Okay, <laughs> so Wade Keller's question. Had the chance ever come up for you to work regularly for TNA, is that something you had looked into considering other guys are making extra money midweek each week? Actually, yeah! I had a tryout schedule, but there was some miscommunication on when I was supposed to be out there. That was way back when. There was also a miscommunication between me and TNA's Bill Barons? Bill Barons, I know, you've said the name before. I think Bill... I think Bill for a long time thought I had heat with him over it because AJ used to tell me that Bill thinks I hate him. I didn't. It was just a misunderstanding. No big deal. That was the only offer I got. When I met Jared in Japan, he gave me the get in touch with me line and sent me an email asking how my Wednesday nights were looking. I said, they're pretty much open if you want to use me, but I never heard anything back. So that was the extent of my contact with TNA. Isn't it wild that he's like, yeah, I wanna, I'm open to it, get in touch. And they didn't for like two years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially since lately we've heard all the rumors of them being like, yeah, we want to fuck over Ring of Honor, let's get Joe. Yeah, and maybe that's the reason he ultimately didn't. Maybe he's like, listen, I'll work for you, but not exclusively. Yeah. Maybe that was a stumbling block. But listen, he's Samoa Joe, get him in the door! Especially, like, right now, he's, like, one of the best wrestlers of all time. (laughs) But it's alright, we'll get him. We will. We'll win in the end. Get fucked, Ring of Honor. Yeah, I'm, I'm a TNA guy now, guys. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I, it's impact has come around. The six sided ring is here. I am firmly planting my flag in the TNA guy. So get out of here, ROH. Yeah. Until like you know they come back, <laughs> really weekly TV, and then I'm, and then I'm out. I'm back. The rumor backstage is that Diamond Dallas Page has been trying to get in through Eric Watts. Sources are betting against Page <laughs> being hired as a full time wrestler because Jarrett and Russo didn't care for him while they were all in WCW. One source even predicts that Raven would voice his displeasure with the possibility of Page being hired. Apparently, Raven and Jarrett, uh, Raven and Page, are no longer on good terms. Freudian slip there. Ah, uh, yeah, everyone's not on good terms with Jarrett. That's <laughs> <laughs> or Raven, to be honest. Raven ends up being Page's first program when he comes in. Interesting. Hmm. Well, we'll look forward to that. You'll have to wait for a few more months, though. (laughs) They fly by. So that's it. That's your news for the month. Let's move on to broad topics. That's the whole podcast, guys. (laughs) And we won't talk about what happened on the shows. It's fine. God, so much scrolling. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking the exact same thing as I was scrolling down. I was like, Jesus Christ. Do you see all nine of these shows laid out one after another? TNHat.com if you'd like to look at it. It's just, my God, there's so many shows. This is like one of the few times where I'm like, it might just be better to go show by show. No, there's way too many shows to go show by show. I'm not talking about every random exhibition match. Oh, hell yeah, we're going to skip stuff? <laughs> we're probably not skipping big stuff, but like half of these X-Division multi-mans, it's like, yep, there was a nice X-Division multi-man. It was probably one of the better matches of the month. That's it. <laughs> we can only talk about so many naturals attacking AMW segments. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, big story of the month is the feud between Jeff Jarrett and Ron Killings, which stems from the King of the Mountain match, which debuts on the June 2nd pay-per-view. <laughs> Feels like a decade ago. We watched it about a month ago, so it does. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett defeated Ron Killings, Chris Harris, AJ Styles, and Raven to win the NWA world title in the debut of King of the Mountain. You know, I enjoyed this match. Yep. I thought it was pretty fun. I don't think the concept is as complicated as people pretend it is. The the bad faith argument is <laughs> of TNA. I think uh, it's a fun match. I like, and like, who would I be, right? To constantly complain about the lack of innovation in pro wrestling, mm-hmm. and then to poo-poo an innovative idea, because like ultimately it's just a ladder match, yeah, with some cool elimination stuff, some cool like you have to earn your right to put it up there. There's a cool box. What more could you want? You can do some spots off the box. AJ did a dive over the box. AJ was pushed off a ladder into the box. There was tables. There was ladders. Yeah. Like, it is, at the end of the day, people are always like, it's so convoluted, it's so confusing. But at the end of the day, it's a ladder match. Like, it's constructed as a ladder match. Like, you can't really go wrong because it's a ladder match. Tell you right now, I'd rather watch a King of the Mountain match than a regular ladder match. Yeah, you want penalty boxes. I want anything. <laughs> I'm so sick of, like, the same four stipulations. And, like, they they do a fun thing where Jarrett and Raven are in the penalty box, and they're like, oh, these two are going to explode in the penalty box, but they actually hatch schemes in the penalty box together. Yeah, I, I, I am a big fan of the penalty box lore. Mm-hmm. Whenever people go in there, I like it when people get locked in at the same time and they beat each other up in there. I don't know, I think it adds some extra tension. You can do cool things with, like, someone's about to win and then someone's still locked in the box, but they're the only fresh person who could actually go out and get them. Yeah, or like the rest aren't eligible or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am, I am a fan of King of the Mountain. Yeah, big King of the Mountain defender. Yeah, can't wait for it to have a title. <laughs> so there was interviews throughout the show with all the people who were in it, which mostly was an excuse for Scott Hudson to explain the rules over and over. <laughs> uh, do you think the reason people think the rules are so complicated are because they insisted on constantly explaining the rules and if they just did it once <laughs> people would have got it and like the, the, like to explain the rules it does usually take about 40 seconds so it's just like scott hudson looking at the camera being like all right so you climb the ladder you hang the belt but in order to hang the belt or climb the ladder and hang the belt you have to score a pinfall submission if you score a pinfall submission you go to penalty box which to be fair i just did it in two minutes in like 10 seconds but still it took scott hudson a while they should have just done their their pre-match text on the screen run down and that's it and i think people would have gotten it way quicker as i said last month i think all they ever needed was an on-screen display to tell you who's eligible and that solves the entire problem because I, I think that's the only thing people lose track of yeah i think um that's I, I i have no problem with this match type or with this execution of the match so aj was pushed off a ladder into the penalty box harrison raven were pushed off ladders into tables truth started to climb he was the only one left because jared was in the box but jared got out grabbed a guitar hit truth with the guitar the hook fell down, so he had to rehang the hook and then hang <laughs> the belt, and then he became the new He double one. <laughs> he is the double champion. The new NWA world champion for a third time is the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett. And the last time. He'll never win it again. It's fine. Right. We'll never be subjected to two more years of this dude. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, you know, he'll put someone over at the end of the double. It'll be great. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like this match. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I have nothing more to say than what I have. 
Yeah, I thought AJ worked extra hard to make this match work. He took all of the bumps. AJ worked extra hard to make this work should have been the tagline for TNA. <laughs> really? Yes. Yes, it is. AJ did work extra hard to make this work. And like this is notable. It's the last time Harris is in the heavyweight division full stop. And it's the last time Styles is in the heavyweight division for uh, about a year. Yep. So both are all back to doing their mid-card divisions while Jeff Jarrett gets to play world champion by himself. Listen, I, I get why like you're, you, don't, you dislike it. <laughs> but I also get... AMW tag champs AJ Styles running the X Division when going to television. Ultimately, I probably agree with it, but I still like if they went with someone other than you. Just wanted Ron Killings to win this. I wanted Raven to win this, honestly, but yeah, yeah, one of the other two. She's not Jared as champ for the love of God. Yeah, um, this isn't the time that I'll, I'll talk about more about my Jared thoughts when we get to the Killings match. Mm. So the show ended with a random woman walking out. Mike Tanay was like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't, Mike. <laughs> I think we both went, no. <laughs> and she stood there and everyone was shocked. And Mike Tanay was like, she hasn't been in wrestling in years. And I'm like, I still don't know who she is, Mike. She was Gorgeous George, a.k.a. St- uh, Stacey Ballers. She was the Valley of Randy Savage in WCW. And my favorite part about um, this was later on, they brought in Eric Watts' wife. And I thought it was the same person. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're going to pay that off. That's fun. Because it was Gorgeous George, and his wife's name was Georgie, wasn't it? It was something lame. Wow, why did bury his wife? It was a bad name. <laughs> I was like, this is... A, I was like, this... I literally went to myself, this has to be her real name, because it's no way it's a wrestling name. Uh, so, yeah, she showed up twice. She Apparently the plan was to make her Jar- Jarrett's valet, I think maybe to tease Savage coming in in the end. But she showed up twice and she was gone, so there you go. Cool. There's a pretty consistent trend with there being like a lot of backstage gossip about women not knowing their place in wrestling. And I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. It's almost like dudes are the ones talking to Dave mm. and the torch. Maybe. So Jarrett's your new end. And also, we, you know, we saw Goldilocks get like blacklisted for six months. <laughs> Hey, she's back. And there's still like, there's like four stories this month about Goldilocks is terrible. I hate her. She's like one of the best on-screen characters. Uh, so Jarrett's your new NWA world champion. We have that segment on the first episode of Impact where he hits Truth with a guitar after he goes face-to-face with Dusty. Then Triel BG ends that promo saying that Jarrett will have to answer to Triel K on the next pay-per-view, which he does. So Jarrett comes out next pay-per-view, June 9th. He has a bunch of musicians playing like the... Uh... This this is sports entertainment, baby. And this is what I love. So yeah, there's a bunch of people playing like the trombone to the classic TNA intro, the intro theme. The na 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 My favorite part about it is they get to like the second refrain and everyone's like, wait, what the fuck is this bit? Must be noted, by the way, Jeff Jarrett, he ain't dead, he ain't the rock. Gone. I thought it did say he ain't dead, he ain't the rock. I was listening on this show in particular. It says he ain't dead, he ain't Jack. What? Yeah, unless they use the wrong one a couple times later in the month, but the the, the Jack one was a hundred percent here. On I I literally paid attention to the last episode of this month to see if it was, and I think it said he ain't dead, he ain't the Rock, but I will double check. They might have used the wrong one a couple times, but a hundred percent this June 9th show they said Jack. When we go to intermission, I will check <laughs> and see if he says it on the last episode. By intermission, we mean me pooping and Liam getting an energy drink. He ain't dead. He ain't Jack. So, Jared, by the way, they've introduced the six-sided ring in the Asylum as well, which I think they were thinking of maybe not doing at first, but then they were like, no, we have to. 
imagine how much more these shows would suck without the six island. It would be so much more jarring. Like it's already jarring to go from the impact zone to the asylum. If it was going for a, from a six sided ring to a four sided ring, it'd be like, oh, yeah. So Jarrett was wearing a tux. He had a red carpet. He's very pleased with himself. He's crowning himself the official king of the mountain. He's the NWA world champion. He insisted Vince Russo come out and congratulate him. He wants them to put him over. Russo placed the title around his waist. Russo says that he looked at all they've accomplished at a team. Jarrett says it's actually all been about him. <laughs> and at this stage, I was like, are they like doing some weird couples therapy on TV at this stage? Yeah, but um, that's cool. Or like this whole segment is Russo being like, this was done by the whole group around us. And Jared's like, no, it was me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I like it because I was like, this is either a representation of Jared backstage or it's a representation of Russo backstage. <laughs> it's like a choose your own adventure of who you would like to side with based on. Yeah, based on context clues throughout the TNA's history. So yeah, Jared says it's all a bit of all about him. He called out all his haters and then Jared got physical with Russo, but Trail came at the save. And then Truth announced a triple Jeopardy match for tonight. They didn't explain what triple Jeopardy was <laughs> in the moment, though. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you can't be like, we're having this match. And be like, I don't know what that is, but we're having it. Hey, he's pals with Vinny Rue. He can do whatever he wants, even though Vinny Rue hates him. I'm not sure how that works. Vince Russo is supposed to be unbiased. I don't, I don't agree with this. Triel K explained later in the show that the Triple Jeopardy match is three separate matches. He'll face uh, Conan in a strap match. He'll face BG in a trailer park trash match and then face Truth in a ghetto justice match back to back to back. Hell yeah. (laughs) Is this the only ghetto justice match in history? I believe it might be. I don't know what constitutes a ghetto justice match. Uh, Even after watching it, I still (laughs) don't know what constitutes a ghetto justice match. (laughs) I I think the ghetto justice match is just Ron Gillings gets to use a guitar. Ah, That makes sense. I think that's it. So then we had those three matches and they were pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I remember liking one a little more. <laughs> Which one? Oh, yeah. Okay. The Kona one I thought was okay. Uh-huh. I hated the BG James one. The second worst match I've seen this month. Um, and the Ron Killings one was okay. And by okay, I mean, I gave it one star. <laughs> but the, the BG James one was one I, I, I gave a full half a star less than the rest. Oh, because it was just crowd brawling. I was like, fuck you, man. (laughs) So the strap match against Conan, winner had to get to 10 straps to win. Jarrett threw powder in Conan's eyes, (laughs) then whipped him a bunch. He won 10-8. That was fun. And then he kept doing a couple more. Yeah, so... It kind of felt like Conan and BG got jumped the fuck out here. Yeah, they're very much the nerds of the three life crew. Yeah. I expect that from BG, but Conan, come on. So then he, he faced BG in a trailer park trash match where Mensa, who is the gorgeous George, this is her last appearance, but she was watching on. Yep. <laughs> she was called Mensa or Minsa. Not sure. I'm not going to even try. So Jarrett stroked BG into the rail and won. And then finally Killings faced Jarrett in a ghetto justice match. Jarrett tried to use the guitar. Andrew Thomas said no. So Jarrett hit him with it. Then Truth rolled up Jarrett as a second ref. Rudy ran out, counted three. Jarrett lost his mind. He was real <laughs> mad. He lost. He said, we'll see you at impact. I like that because Jarrett's like, all right, ghetto justice means I can use the guitar. And he's like, no. And like, wait, what? <laughs> Whatever it means, who it's knows? Like he, he, he just like, I don't know the rules of the match, man. No one actually explained to Andrew Thomas what he was supposed to allow and disallow. So he's like, I don't think so, so no. <laughs> Andrew Thomas is like, listen, man, he didn't even explain it to me either. I'm just, I'm just going to call it as a shoot. I think in the promo they cut before, Truth was like, you're going to find out when I'm out there. <laughs> we never did. We just, we'll never know what a ghetto justice match is. 
I think it's truth is allowed to use weapons, and uh, Jeff isn't. It's one of the deep mysteries of TNA wrestling. One of the questions that will linger forever. What exactly is a Ghetto Justice match? When um when our mysterious benefactor gives us the nine point seven million, we will run a Ghetto Justice match and finally define the rules. No. <laughs> Uh, so on Impact, three Lev Crew defeat David Young in the Naturals. Truth pinned Young with an axe kick. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. There was a story here, but there's a lot of matches. There's, I think I counted 45 matches this month, so don't worry if you don't remember some of them. Yeah, David Young, um, he loses a lot. <laughs> he is on a losing streak. There was a story here about that, how the Naturals didn't like doing a job to Trial K because they're in a feud with AMW and they they tried to come up with like a way to lose differently where they like accidentally hit each other so they'd have somewhat of an out for losing and Jared like chewed them out for not wanting to do a job. <laughs> but no, like they, they still were willing to do the job. They just wanted to do it in a way that might protect them a little. And Jared was like, how dare you? Also, David Young's on that team. <laughs> yeah. Who did take the fall. Yeah. I, I mean, they are in a feud with the tag champs. So Jared comes out. He's about to say something about Wednesday on the pay-per-view and Dusty interrupts, says Jared will defend the NWA world title against Ron Killings on the anniversary show on June 23rd. Then Truth says he's going to knock Jared off the mountain before Jared promised a public execution on the pay-per-view. In a way, that's what exactly what we saw. Yeah, so we had Jeff Jarrett's elite guard, his new pack of goons. The elite. The, the elite pack of I, I did cut, cut a clip of Jeff Jeremy Warsh introducing the elite guard where he left long enough of a pause. He's like, introducing first, the elite guard. Yeah, I think for um, this month's podcast title, right? Mm-hmm. We should do a classic flagship style, just put the main things in it so we can have like Jeff Hardy, Six Sides, Impact Zone, the elite. Sure, that, that is going to be the episode title. Jeff Hardy, Six yeah. Sides, Impact Zone, Elite. Yeah, and whatever more we can think of. So yeah, Tree Life Crew face the Elite Guard. If you wonder who the Elite Guard are, they're Onyx, Chad Collier, and the debuting Hot Stuff Hernandez. Yes, that Hernandez. I like uh, Chad Collier and Hot Stuff Hernandez. And Onyx is a good Pokemon. <laughs> it's true. It's, so this is the greatest trio of all time. Well, actually, I'm lying. Onyx is a historically terrible Pokemon, but I love the design. So, like, the Elite Guard, they're doing this, like, mercenary, military mercenary act. So they're, like, running around the ring in, like, formation. I just can't believe Kenny and the Bucks debuted like this. Uh, Don West on commentary begins to point out how if you look at Tree Life Crew and you look at the Elite Guard... They have a very similar ethnic composition. <laughs> it's like they have a black guy, they have a white guy, and they have a Mexican guy. <laughs> see, like, I, I can't even get mad at Mike because before he said it, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I was like, is that intentional? It's like mirror images here. <laughs> they start doing doink spots. Uh, so mostly it was a brawl around the building, but Killings and uh, Hernandez did a little match in the ring while the other four brawled around the building. Uh, Truth won with an axe kick. Jarrett tried to hit Truth with a guitar after the match, but Truth turned it around. Elite Guard jumped Truth. Jarrett hit a stroke and was going to guitar Truth, but then Russo ran out, tapped Jarrett in like the shoulder. Jarrett swiveled the hips, smashed Russo with the guitar. Russo was bleeding, busted open in horrible shape. Uh, that was a really good guitar shot. You just enjoy seeing Vince Russo get El Cabong, don't don't you? No. <laughs> you know what my first thought was? I was watching this and I was like, what if like Jarrett just like twisted his wrist and then just hit him with the hard bit? 
<laughs> just to like rub it in just out of sheer spite yeah, yeah i was like how much would that fuck him up because mm. then i started thinking of the times where Jarrett like hit people with a non-gimmick guitar yeah <laughs> and he like just kills them should have done it to russo here and then i was thinking about like if i ever <laughs> get to direct a movie i want to do a guitar shot really badly oh they should have more like guitar shots in action movies it would rock right and then, like, I know that you could you could do the Jarrett, like, exploding guitar, but I want to do it with, like, the the non-worked one. I want to see if he can recreate that with the big bonk, and, like, it just crushes the guitar inwards. I don't think stuntmen and actors would appreciate you being like, what if we use the non-prop guitar? We'll find a way. <laughs> this is my vision. So, it was fake blood used for Russo to sell the guitar shot. Russo was apparently not particularly pleased with this feud with Jared. He thinks it sucks, but listen, Jared wants it, so Jared gets it. I agree, Vince. Vinny Rue, his vision is just being held back. I can relate, Vince. <laughs> his actors and his stuntmen don't want to take shoot guitar shots. So, Russo taken away in an ambulance, and then end of the show, Hudson has Jared. Jared said <laughs> that Russo has no business in the ring, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he'll face killings next week. Mm-hmm. Next episode of Impact, Mike today mentions that Russo broke his nose from Jarrett's guitar shot. I, li- I like uh, the makeup work on R- Russo for the rest of the month. It's it's pretty convincing, to be fair, isn't it? Yeah, I learned how to do uh, uh, bruise makeup. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, he doesn't use... Uh, one tactic I was told is that you should put a lot of yellow in it. Yeah. Because that's because um, like you go directly to like purples and stuff, that's just not how bruises actually end up looking. Mm. But uh, he went all with the with the purple, but I still thought it looked good. Yeah. So, main event of this episode of Impact, which was the point at which it was like, oh, this company has no stars, where it's like the main event is Killings and Eric Young. And I'm like, for like 2004 TNA, that's perfectly fine. But also for a pro wrestling television show, that's not a main event. Yeah. I would love to have seen the quarter hours. Or I guess the five minute <laughs> hours. So Dusty's on commentary here. Jerry Lynn chased Scott Demore away from ringside. We'll talk about the Lynn and Demore stuff in a minute. Uh, Killings won with the next kick. Jared came out after the match. He's still in his tux. He's in his tux on every segment in these shows. I like that the tux gets more disheveled <laughs> as the month goes. Yeah. Do you think he's washing this tux between shows? Um, yeah, mm. but I, I do appreciate, like, he had the tie done up and then the tie fell to the side and then, like, it wasn't tucked in. Mm. So, yeah, Jared hits Dusty with a guitar. Jared beats up Killings with the remains of the guitar until Trill can't make the save because Jared has to punk out Killings at literally every turn. Russo comes out, he's big mad, and he says that if a guitar is used... At Wednesday's match between Jarrett and Killings for the title, it will be an immediate disqualification. I I thought that was the case anyway, but apparently Vince Russo needs to reiterate this. So, you're wrong, uh, Garrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, referee's discretion applies, as we have seen in many a main event where they've just done a bunch of weapon shots. This time, they're like, no, 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 none of this bloody re- referee discretion. You will DQ them straight away. But usually for the guitar shots, they're very rare. They're not done in referee plain sight. They're done with ref bumps or ref's distractions. Like, it's not like the case that there has been legal guitar shots in this company. It's always been illegal. Yeah, they've always been illegal, but they would they would have let them go, I feel. This one they're emphasizing. I wasn't like, this makes no sense to me when I was listening to it. I kind of, I could put the two and two together in my head. I enjoyed Dusty on commentary. He's like, he looks like he walked out of a casket, if you get what I mean, daddy. <laughs> it's because he's working. Like, yeah, I get what you mean. Talks. Yes, I do get you. Thank you. Thank you, Dusty. 
Uh, Derek punked out Truth one more time as they went off the air as well, because Lord knows Truth can never get anything in. It was a very good um, good guitar shot on Dusty, too. What can I say? <laughs> we, we, we were hitting with the guitar. I love it. Every time. So, main event of the second anniversary show is Jeff Jarrett versus Ron the Truth Killings for the NWA World title. Before the match starts, Russo comes to the ring with Mike Posey and starts searching for guitars. Yeah, so I feel like you're going to be uh, dumb and lame and hate this match. (laughs) I am, but I'm also going to say I don't think they went far enough. I think they should have found fucking 50 guitars. Yes, yes. Alright, we're on the same page there. I adore that they that the Larry Z's the best and he's like, hey man, we, we know how to cheat. There's definitely a second guitar. Yeah, so they find one guitar and they're like, yep, job done. We found his guitar. And Larry Z walks over. It's like, pal, because there's a bunch of legends there because it's the second anniversary. So Larry Z and Harley Race walk over. It's like, that was way too easy. They should have found one yeah, like under the commentary desk and had Mike and uh, Don be like, well, when did this get here? A hundred percent. There should have been like 10 guitars around ringside. There should have been one in the merchandise stands with, the, with Sarah, the merchandising lady. <laughs> there should have been one in the old dancer cage. I was about to say there should be one in the dancer cage. <laughs> Couple hidden in the old sex locker room. Yes. And then, uh, like, of course, I, I adore the payoff of them, of him uh, taking away... <laughs> the steel steps and there's another one <laughs> he has hidden his master guitar underneath the steel steps i see that this is okay this is the part i was gonna talk about earlier i love jared as a character mm-hmm. <laughs> dude is the best he's like if edge was self aware sure. and was like and was like oh i'm a big dork mm. I'm not talking about, like, Edge now. Like, Edge and his, like, peak heel shtick. Yeah. If he was, like, that whole time, he wasn't like, oh, I'm the coolest. <laughs> if, if he was like, oh, I'm I, I'm a big loser, but I think I'm the coolest. That's what Jeff Jarrett is. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. The problem is, the bell rings. And he has to wrestle a wrestling match. And this was not a very good one. No, but the payoff to this match was enough for me to like it. Because they did have good matches in, like, 02. Like, they, they were the overbooked mess that they always are. But I thought they at least had good wrestling matches. Whereas this... Yeah, th- for sure. This wasn't a good wrestling match. It was just... No. I loved the um, Jarrett hitting a stroke off the stage and then going for the cover. Yeah, because he's like, it's it's asylum rules. (laughs) There's no law here. (laughs) Yeah, again, that proves my point too. Referee discretion. They just broke a bunch of tables and were outside the ring for like over 10 seconds. It's fine. Vince Russo made it clear he would never, ever, ever, Liam, never overturn a referee's decision. Yep, 100%. Ever. (laughs) I, I gave this match like two and a quarter or whatever i i bumped it to two and a half when i thought ron killings won <laughs> and then i sadly went back and turned it off and went back to two and a quarter so yeah conan and bg came out trying to interfere but they were removed jared hit truth with the nwa title but truth kicked out then jared revealed his master plan he had a secret hidden guitar under the steps showing how smart he was and he did the head point of course he did the head point he's the smartest individual in the world killings got the guitar after they struggled for it he nailed jared with the guitar to, to win the title then andrew thomas and mike posey were talking to rudy as russo came out jared was like on his knees praying begging for justice here <laughs> see he's a he's self-aware this is the ghetto justice <gasps> who knew that the ghetto justice would be on jeff jared's side that's true ron killing's own match type against him russo made his very sad conflicted face he didn't know what to do dusty came out and he told russo that sometimes there's a right decision and a wrong decision but sometimes 
the wrong decision is right, tells Russo to make the decision with his heart as we go off the air. I like that in that Dusty admits that Jared should win. <laughs> yeah, he's like, listen, by right here, we said, if a guitar is used, it's a disqualification. Truth should and, lose. Not even that. An immediate disqualification, which takes it out of the referee's hands. Because the, the, the match type is like, it's done immediately. As soon as it happens, you don't need a ref to call it. So Truth should lose. But fuck Jeff Jarrett, give the belt to Truth. <laughs> yeah. And people were into the idea of Truth with being a three-time champ, too, so. Wrestlers are once again expressing their frustration with Jarrett's self-serving booking. He's never going to let people get ahead of him, one wrestler said. He's the worst thing for our company. The heat on Jarrett's booking died down when Impact debuted, but it hasn't taken long for wrestlers to resume complaining behind Jarrett's back. He does make Truth look like a giant nerd all month. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's what I'm saying with, like, same thing with Wildcat. If the payoff was Truth winning here, it would have been fine. Mm. It's not a great build, but it would have had the right ending. But, you know, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> so, Impact, Jarrett comes out. Jarrett's like, yo, give him a belt. <laughs> yo, listen. <laughs> yo, listen. Wee, you, wee, you, guitar my belt. Ah, my belt. He's interrupted by Larry Z. Larry has a message from Russo. Larry announced that the decision will not be made today on Impact. It'll be made on Wednesday at the pay-per-view. Oh, the best. Because he frames it like, Vince Russo and Dusty have given me the decision. That, you will find out on Wednesday. And the guy goes, So Jared hits Larry with the guitar, justifiable, to be honest. It was a good one, too. I'm going to say that every time, aren't I? I just love guitar shots. <laughs> Trio K ran in, Elite Guard ran in, Jared and Elite Guard stood tall. Elite. Elite. So, last show of the month, Russo comes out. He's in the ring with Scott Hudson. Scott's like, yo, Vinny Rue, who's champ? Vince Russo, he consulted <laughs> with Dusty, but he still hasn't made his decision. So he wants Truth and Jared to come out and to plead their cases. <laughs> What was all the talking last on, on fucking uh, Impact, man? He's been thinking about this for a whole week, Liam. He's consulted with referees, he's been thinking about it, and he still needs more information. I liked uh, the idea of um, of <laughs> Russo being at home, like, trying to eat a meal. His kids are like, oh, dad, dad. And he's like, oh, don't talk to me. I'm, still, I'm thinking about this this, uh, this Ron Killing situation, man. I, I can't even eat. Just push, pushes his wife's cooking away, goes to his office. He's just in there all night smoking cigars. Staring longingly out the window, wondering, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> the, the clouds transform into images of Ron Killings and images of Jeff Jarrett <laughs> and a guitar. The guitar between them and like the guitar hits Jeff in the head and the clouds break apart. <laughs> uh, so Truth comes out. Conan does his shtick, but before Truth can cut his promo, Jared comes out. Jared plays footage of Russo saying that there'll be an immediate DQ if the guitar is used. And he's like, "This is my smoking gun." He wants Russo to live up to saying he's a new man. Stand by his word. Then Truth comes mm. out. He runs a montage of his own, which is just Jared hitting people in the head with guitars. Is that every guitar shot in TNA history? Because then we can steal it as our as our base point for the thing that we wanted to do. I don't think it's every one of them. I think it was just the Damn. recent ones. You can never do it now. He also showed footage of Jared being the one to introduce the guitar in the title match. And then he said, if the guitar hit doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Which... Uh, he also like the truth was like Vinnie Ruth think about it when you go home to your kids and your kids are like daddy 
I got into a fight. What should I do? Should you tell the kid to be a cowardly bitch? Or should you tell the kid to stand up for himself? That's what you need to and decide Rousseau's here. like, I'd tell my kids to get the shit kicked out of him. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Uh, but I do like the, if the guitar hit doesn't fit, you must acquit. Oh, we can sell it on a show. <laughs> Russo says he'd never overturn a referee's decision. Never, ever. And then he did just that. He gave the belt back to Jared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jared technically wins the match the week before by disqualification. Awful. Bad poo-poo. Russo, the, like the worst part of it is afterwards Russo then gave out to Ron Killings. It's like, how could you stoop to this? This is your fault. Yeah, why does he hate Ron? He has always hated this guy. AJ's his boy and he hates Ron Killings. Mm. So then he announces that Jarrett will defend the belt next week in an eight-man gauntlet match that will feature Jarrett, the three members of Three Live Crew, the three members of Elite Guard, and the fourth man, the returning <gasps> first-ever NWA world champion of the TNA era, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock's here. Okay. He comes out to a tepid reaction. He beats up Onyx. He beats up Hernandez. Then Chad Collier kind of kicks his ass for a little bit. Yes. Which actually kind of rules. And the segment just ends. I'm like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Shamrock's back. You happy? Uh, no. He's not back for long, so he shouldn't be. Uh, well, I wasn't, so <laughs> that's good. Ken Shamrock told friends last week that he has not signed a long-term contract with DNA and has no intention of doing so. He was upbeat and positive backstage, interacting with the rest of some of whom he knew from his stint two years ago, and others whom he had never met. He seemed excited to be back in pro wrestling and happy to work a few dates for DNA, but also wants to continue his MMA training. Uh, well, one of these two things is probably a lot more valuable. Uh, we had a big ass brawl to close that show as well. With that, had Jarrett that had the elite guard that had. I enjoyed the big ass brawl. You'll uh, get used to them, but yeah, this one this one felt fresh because they had Team Canada out there. They had all the AMW and the Naturals out there. They had D'Lo and Monty out there. They had AJ. AJ's music was playing all through the big ass brawl. Yeah, and I liked that. Um, there was a lot of X Division guys in there too, which kind of separated it from just being the main event scene guys who were boring. Yeah, so Jarrett and Killings are still feuding. They're feuding all month. Jarrett's your new NWA champion. Ken Shamrock's back. Yeah, well, Ken Shamrock should be scared, man. He doesn't know double J, double MMA. <laughs> Jarrett should shoot on him. Yeah. All right, let's head over to the X Division. Start of the month, first show of the month, Frankie Kazarian defended the X Division title against Amazing Red, who, if you remember, beat Sanjay in that best of three series last month. A uh, good little match. Cut off a red springboard, one with the wave of the future. I think this match was the best Red looked this month. Yeah, because Red has looked bad. Well, he looked good in the, the Impact opener as well, the first Impact match. And then I, pretty, I think pretty much every match he's had other than that, he's looked pretty bad in. So, Yeah, so like, I think that Red is still a good wrestler mm-hmm. and will have good matches from this point forward. But it's clearly, it's clear he's not the, the, he's not the guy anymore. It's very clear, yeah, he's come back from this knee injury a step slower, maybe a step too early, and he's he's just not the same amazing, amazing Red that was here in 2002. This is not the guy that, like, we were flaunting as, like, the next Rey Mysterio, look at this guy, he's so crazy. Like, he's still a very good high flyer who can do some crazy stuff, but uh, he's, he's not that guy. I do think he kind of gets back to being that guy, but, like, far too late. Because mm. he definitely has, he does have more good runs in him. Yeah, but like I think he's just the, the, the very sad case of a guy whose body just would not hold up to this, and he was probably too innovative for his own good, or even like um, just bad timing too, because it happened before TV. Mm. So yeah, Red is at least he's still around. He's still doing things. 
2022. <laughs> and I feel like if they didn't decide to move AJ back to the X Division, I feel like there's a good chance Red would have won the belt here, right? Uh, I think, nah. I, to me, it seems like AJ was always the plan. But like, if they were like, no, we're going to keep AJ heavyweight, he's like the biggest star, we're actually going to put the belt in and make him our guy. Yeah, well, yeah, he probably would have been the number two. I feel like it would have went to Red instead of AJ. Yes, but um, yeah, like I said, I think that it was always going to be AJ. But like, if for some reason like Ron Killings got hurt and they're like, we have to go into an AJ thing instead, uh, it probably would have been Red, yeah, or Hector. <laughs> yeah, big Hector run. I'm into it. Speaking of Hector, first episode of Impact, as we mentioned, opened with Hector, Amazing Red, Sanjay, defeating Team Canada's P.D. Williams, Eric Young, and Bobby Roode. Hector won with the Torneo, and the main event of that show was the AJ Styles returning to the X Division. He beat Chris Saban, Elix Skipper, and Michael Shane in a really good match. And again, I talked about this, like, AJ feels like TNA AJ now. In the same way Jeff Jarrett feels like TNA Jeff Jarrett in a bad way, hmm. AJ feels like TNA AJ in a good way. Yeah, I agree. Everything about the music, the gear, him being like babyface ace of a division. It just... It All just, presentation. It just feels right, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is what you want. Like, until he gets, like, long tights and becomes main event guy AJ again, this is, like, what we got, you know? Yeah. This is it. So, June 9th pay-per-view, pay-per-view number 98. We have a Michael Shane against Chris Saban match that... Don't have any recollection about. <laughs> I saw this in the notes, and I'm like, I just... Don't remember. I remember franchise big leaguing Michael Shane even in from like beyond the retirement grave because he was going to look for Raven <laughs> during the match and they cut away to him. I remember that, but like the actual match, I could not tell you a thing about this Chris Saban Michael Shane match. No, I got I got nothing for you on this one. According to me taking notes, Tracy helped Shane avoid the cradle shock. Shane threw Saban into Tracy and then landed a super kick for the win. That's a match that happened apparently. According to me, I gave it two stars. Good job. You you gave it two and a half. You loved it by Impact standards. Two and a half is the rating I give to good, competent wrestling that I don't remember. Hey, that's two. <laughs> like for uh, like two is a match that is well performed but not interesting whatsoever. Two and a quarter is a match that's well performed but like just forgettable. And then two and a half is well performed, not interesting, but like two competent pro wrestlers doing good pro wrestling that's just not interesting okay, i'm looking back this is the lowest rated month i've had this year oh that's not great but i think i liked it more than some other years because <laughs> i liked the angles more but the wrestling was bad so main event of this episode for the x division title aj styles defeats frankie kazarian to become champion once again oh yeah because i remember i was watching this show and i was like i looked at the scores and like this might be my lowest rated impact pay-per-view ever well you have those three matches this is the show with the three jeff jarrett matches none of which are good yeah so i went two 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 and a quarter one a half star one and a 2.5 on the main i thought aj and frank actually no the finish of aj and frankie was just oh god and the match went on forever yeah so aj went up top he went for the spiral tap and he missed he overshot it just completely missed Mm -hmm. went for the cover Frankie kicked out because I think he knew it looked like shit. Well, no, you could see AJ talking to him and saying, kick out, we'll do we'll do something else out of it. Yeah, but Mike Posey, who was the referee and obviously was told the spiral tap is the finish, who didn't count three two other times on this show, by the way. We'll probably get into that in other feuds. But there were two other matches on the show where the, like, the, the, someone pinned, or David Young pinned Sanjay, I think, at one point on this show, and he counted one, he counted two, nobody kicked out, and he just decided it wasn't a, a three count. Like, there he's fine deciding what a finish is and isn't, but then this AJ match where that spiral tap completely missed, looked like shit, 
He still counted the three. They did that classic thing where, like, even though he just won the X Division title, he looked super pissed off because the match finish was completely messed up. This is a month of AJ looking pissed off. <laughs> He's just mad about all this shit happening with him. I mean, when the Jeff match was happening, he looked like he had fucking just fist fought someone. <laughs> yeah, Dallas ran out, jumped Styles, the Styles escaped, but then Cash jumped Styles from behind, laid him out with the X Division title. Kid Cash is coming for the X title after losing the tag titles. Yep, looking forward to that match. Uh, June 11th Impact opened with Kid Cash against Amazing Red. Uh, Cash being with the Muddy Maker. They did the top rope powerbomb into a Rana spot, which is always cool. Yeah, uh, these two are still fun together. Yeah. I like Kid Cash a lot, man. Now, can't wait till you say some shit about him that makes me not like him. <laughs> yeah, he does have a month this month. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> So AJ beat Frankie to retain the X Division title in the rematch on Impact. One of the rare instances of them doing something notable Impact on Impact, even if it's just a rematch. Styles won with the Styles Clash, but then got dropped by Cash and Dallas until Security made the save. I like this match more because it was like way shorter. Yeah, it was like eight minutes. Uh, I think they even went through a commercial full of energy. Full of, again, the urgency on Impact is much higher than it is on the pay-per-views. I I love Impact's speed. Mm. I, it's just it's so much more fun. These shows are like, they fly by in comparison. It is truly your 60 minute adrenaline rush. Adrenaline rush, adrenaline rush. Do, do, do. So, June 16th show, AJ Styles faces Dallas. And a match I really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought this was pretty fun. I thought it was like easily the best Dallas has looked. They did this really cool spot where Dallas grabbed AJ's leg, flung him overhead, but AJ did like a full land on his feet senton, then came back immediately with the Pele. Absolutely rocked. I wonder if these two ever worked a G1 together. Feels like they'd have a very good G1 match, doesn't it? Mm. I'll have a look while you talk about Team Canada and Team NWA. No, that'll be in the Demore and Jerry Lynn segment. So we'll stick with the main X Division stuff here, Liam, please. So Cash is on crutches because he suffered an injury in the match against Red. He broke his fibula, I think it was. He tried to interfere, but AJ overcame it. AJ won with like a stacked pin. Cash and Dallas attacked after the match, but... The returning D'Lo Brown made the save. Dude, you got the real deal now. D'Lo cut a promo. He was talking about how AJ returning to the X Division has rekindled D'Lo's own title aspirations and how he is now coming for the NWA World Heavyweight title. AJ did defeat Lance Archer in the 2014 G1 Climax. There you go. We'll watch that match on Raintakers at some stage. Yeah. In like two years from now, because we're doing it like simultaneously, kind of. Hmm. I do feel like the second AJ escaped the Jeff Jarrett like vortex, he immediately felt like himself, and it's just like yeah. Each second he gets away from Double J and his endless guitar shots and its endless bullshit, he just feels like the ace of the company. Or to me, I think it's less getting away from Jarrett and more getting away from Russo. Mm, just getting away from the main event booking. Yeah. I get, you know, Ron Killings versus AJ right now. Yeah, and you can see how it's just eaten Ron Killings alive. And Ron Killings is better than he has been presented and better than he has been given an opportunity to show on these shows. Well, like, because I sometimes watch these shows in my lounge room and um, my housemate would always, like, he always gets excited whenever he sees Ron Killings and then, like, he sees what Ron Killings is doing and just, like, walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Sees Jeff Jarrett punking him out. He's like, oh, yeah, cool, Ron Killings. Like, he looks so young here, man. He looks like, he looks great. And he's like, we watched, like, three seconds of him and he's like, yeah, not enough of that for for the day. Mm. So the June 18th episode of Impact opened with a multi-man X Division match. It was Hector Garza versus Miyamoto versus Chris Sabin versus Elix Skipper versus Michael Shane versus Frankie Kazarian. Okay, so the one negative of Impact. Right. Uh, these matches go so quick that sometimes I miss the finishes and have to go back. 
Well, the finish here is Garza won with the Tornillo. Which I thought, by the way, he was going to fucking miss. <laughs> Which, after AJ missed that freaking spiral tap, would not be the first person to miss something. But, like, uh, I forgot who he hit it on. I think it was... Was it Miyamoto? Right? No, I don't think it was Miyamoto. No, it was. Which I thought was weird, because I was like, he's going to get a tag title shot. He was really close to the ropes. Mm. And I was like, is Hector going to be able to hit this? But, man, that dude knows how to move his body in the air, and he hit it fucking flush. Miyamoto, who still wrestles today these days, but apparently I was looking at his cage match. He just randomly wrestles in Mexico. Does he pop up in Mexico? I know that I've seen his name around a lot. He does just pop up in Mexico. I guess he lives in Mexico right now. He like he's the classic. I'm on North American excursion. I'm going to do a great Muta impression. Yeah, which I I always hate. Yeah, it's the worst. It's like be your own thing. We look at like Takeshita is now is going to be like the template for new excursions. You don't have to just pretend to be the one successful excursion from thirty years ago. Well, that's a whole thing in itself, isn't it? <laughs> but at least maybe, yeah, maybe that will inspire people that, like, when they go over, they can just kind of be themselves. Rather than having to pander to Americans by pretending to be the one Japanese wrestler they knew. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Garza won. We're continuing the little, uh, the, the, the low-key Hector Garza push this month. There's not a lot of focus on him, but he's winning match. Oh, I wish there was a low-key Hector Garza push. <laughs> Later on in the show, we get AJ Styles against Mr. Aguila, which is a cool little match. Uh, uh, it's always nice to see, like, AJ pop, pop up in these random singles. Where he just gets to wrestle a guy and have a good match. Yeah, and also, you know, Mr. Aguilar has become a quick pod favorite. Mm, with his cool gear. Listen, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that. His often see-through cool gear. <laughs> well, this definitely is that. So yeah, Styles won with the Styles Clash. Cash and Dallas were watching off on the ramp. They jumped him out of the match. D'Lo made the save. D'Lo announced he's going to challenge the winner of Jarrett versus Truth. As Styles continues to feud with Cash, heading into the next pay-per-view where he will defend the belt against Cash. He did say that he was going to go after Jarrett versus Truth winner. Yeah, poor D'Lo. I man, I don't like D'Lo. I'm sorry. This this D'Lo run has been bad. It's it's a cool thing that at least they're like reuniting the AJ feud because um, uh, that was like the best he's ever been positioned. <laughs> Should just be a tag team with AJ. Clearly, that was his role. But yeah, everything else I have not enjoyed, including a little Monty Brown thing that's about to happen, which was terrible. Mm. So AJ Styles was to defend the X Division title against Kid Cash on the second anniversary show. And Kid Cash injured, broken foot as mentioned, so he was facing a mystery opponent instead. There were multiple teasers through the show. Who could have possibly known who it was, even though it was narrated by Jeff Hardy? <laughs> yeah, but like if you're there in the building, you probably didn't know. Yeah, and if you like, and if you didn't know that it was Jeff Hardy, you might not have picked up on the voice that it was Jeff Hardy. Mm, it was kind of robotic. So AJ Styles faces the mystery opponent, the debuting charismatic enigma, Jeff Hardy, who gets, I think, easily the biggest pop in TNA history, even bigger than the Sting pops. Yeah, there's a lot of, well, because we knew about Sting, you know, we didn't know Jeff was happening. Mm, So you got the nice surprise when Jeff Hardy's name appeared on the screen, he came out, you had the green lasers, the crowd went absolutely bonkers, like absolutely bonkers for Jeff Hardy. This is one of those, um, one of the few Asylum era moments that I knew. The Hardy debut? I had seen this before, yeah. I had seen the Hardy debut before. Had you seen the match or just the debut? I had seen the match. Oh, maybe highlights. Whatever was on the... It was on one of the DVDs, at least. It was probably on the top 50 moments of TNA history, I'd imagine. Yeah, but I don't know if it was, like, the full match or if it was just highlights from the match on that DVD. Mm. But I've definitely seen the match. I think I might have even seen it on YouTube when I was first getting into anything outside of WWE. Jeff looks weird here, man. It's he's He doesn't have, like... That much muscle on him. He's very leaned out at the moment. Mm. Doesn't have the face paint on. Like, this wasn't even, like, a particularly good match. 
but like the sheer novelty of AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy plus the crowd response, they didn't like do much. They only went about seven minutes. And part of the reason they only went seven minutes is Jeff is like, pals, I, I can't do a 15 minute match with AJ, make it seven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I dug the match. I thought it was fun. And it was just cool to see Jeff there. It was cool to see Jeff in a six side ring, you know? Mm. A lot of fun. But uh, I imagine there is many a story <laughs> behind this. So yeah, the reason they kept it as a mystery instead of promoting Jeff Hardy in advance was that they were not 100% sure Jeff would be there. So they were like, we're going to make it a mystery opponent. And if he's not, we'll have a backup plan. And if he is, it's Jeff Hardy Woo. And like, even then, he nearly missed his flight he, i think he missed two flights on his first day with the company jared had to personally call him and ask him to catch the next available flight and he got there just about in time listen it worked out it was fine don't worry about it i'm a little worried about it <laughs> not to entirely cast this person's about jeff but like he's he's not jeff hardy here is he um well yeah you know he's not the biggest star in the world <laughs> but like in terms of he's not all there <laughs> ah yes that's that's quite evident there too mm. But he's still enough of Jeff Hardy to have a decent match with AJ, so they have that going for them. There is a part uh, in this segment where Jeff, after his entrance, goes on every single corner and does a pose, and by the end of it, he is blown up. Yeah. So, you know, that was not uh, the best of omens for the rest of the match, but I think they managed to put together something that was pretty fun. Yeah, as I said, they they, they carried it based on like the novelty of the two wrestlers in the ring, and the, the crowd were just going absolutely apeshit bananas for everything they were doing. And at least Jeff was aware, it's like, I can't I, I can't do a 15-minute match with AJ. I'm not capable of it. So they just went seven in and out. We'll get there. Yeah, so did the match. Hardy hit the whisper in the wind. Crowd went nuts, but then Cash and Dallas ran in, causing a double DQ, no contest. Hardy and Styles ran off cash, and Dallas as Hardy hit Dallas with the Swanton, and then Styles and Hardy had like a tense standoff where they they weren't exactly pals. Well, yeah, um, Hader didn't exactly look happy about Jeff being there, or perhaps the match he just had with Jeff. But listen, well, he didn't look happy about it before the match even took place. <laughs> that is like the the problem with this era of Jeff, and that mm-hmm. this company desperately, desperately needs stars. Like, so badly. Mm. And Jeff is probably the biggest current star in TNA history. Excluding, like, like Sting and Piper and Luger, who, at this stage, were bigger stars than Jeff. And Jeff is about the same level of star of some of them, just in, like, wrestling history. But at this stage, he's a bigger star than Raven. He's probably a bigger star than Jarrett. And they need him. But they know, 100%, beyond doubt, he's gonna burn them. The question is when... Mm-hmm. And how long they can get before he does. But they need him. So he is back. He is around full time for about a year and a half. But yeah, it's, a, it's the conundrum you put yourself in. So Gary, you know how I mentioned that we, we would eventually get there with a 15 minute Jeff Hardy HSR singles match? Yeah. We do. 2021 Monday Night Raw. <laughs> oh no. Their best match is probably on Impact in 2013. They have a really good match on Impact in 2013. Um, Impact Wrestling 472 in the Bound for Glory series. Yeah, they have a really good match there. So, Well, I, I haven't seen the Monday Night Raw match, okay, in the Thunderdome. Mm, oh, hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Doesn't seem like we ever got, like, a real big match between the two. No, they never had a major TNA pay-per-view match. They had a bunch of TV matches. And uh, shit and a house show matches. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, no big pay-per-view match between the two, which is kind of interesting. You think that would be one that you could uh, make some money on. Especially like 2010, you would have had Babyface Hardy heal AJ. That seems like, I know they're building toward Immortal where they're both in the same heel group. But even then, like they spin that off into Fortune versus Immortal where again, you'd think heel Hardy against Babyface AJ. At some stage, you would have thought, let's put him on pay-per-view, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, Gary, if you were in the Township Auditorium in Columbia, South Carolina, you saw it, baby. Mm. They probably did a version of the match that they just did in this 2004 pay-per-view. Yeah, well, they did 10 of them. Uh, so we have, quite frankly, a lot of Kid Cash drama this month. I'm, I'm excited for some Kid Cash drama. GNA management was not happy about the quotes Kid Cash made in a recent radio interview. A quote from Cash which said he would gut his way through a broken fibula if he were still working with ECW was printed and posted on the locker room door. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The quote also included a line about the company catering to AJ Styles and other wrestlers. Cash was not bashful about the comments he made. In fact, he took a seat closest to the door and didn't back down when he was confronted by Styles. When Styles said TNA doesn't cater to him, Cash asked Styles to explain why Dixie Carter paid for some of his clothes and a haircut. Styles was said to be flustered and simply walked away. Well, you know what? Mm Mm-hmm. I hate to break it to you, Kid Cash. You're going to make the exact uh, same point I'm going to make. Go on. When you're planning to be the face of the company, Mm -hmm. you get some special treatment. Imagine, if I may, say you're Takashi Izuka, right? Right. 2012, this Kazuchika Okada kid comes in. (laughs) And they're like, oh man, they're giving that guy a lot of, a lot of, they're putting a lot of money into him. They're giving him all this new gear, this haircut. Oh my, they're, they're catering to him. Ooh. And it's like, oh yeah, because they plan to make him the focus point of the company. And also, just in general, when you're a wrestler as good as AJ Styles, <laughs> I, I think the company, frankly, should cater to you at all times. They, the company should cater to the wrestlers that are going to be. The focus points of the entire company. When there is the man who has been, for the two plus years of TNA's existence, head and shoulders above pretty much everybody else, I think he has every right to be catered to, frankly. Yeah, like, and also, you know, we're in a we're in a situation where we're a small company where our wrestlers get stolen every 24 seconds, mm. so maybe we try and make AJ like us. <laughs> make it feel like this is his cause, and he would like to stay here forever. So it's... it's it's their investment. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're investing in their stars. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cash, that you're not being put on the same level as Styles and Raven. <laughs> America's most wanted. Yeah, so Cash would prefer to get a release from TNA rather than a pay raise, although he has asked for both in recent weeks. Bob Ryder turned down Cash's request for a release and explained that they had too much invested in him to simply let him go. Cash has been claiming to anyone who will listen the company is paying 1200 a week to Styles, Raven, Harris, and Storm, yet won't budge on his 500 a week payoff. It's AJ Styles. <laughs> it's AJ Styles. Especially AJ. It's AJ Styles. I mean, listen, do I think that Cash has probably earned a bump? Yeah. But, like... You're not AJ Styles, Raven, Chris Harris, or James Storm. Mm. By the way, th- those four people, the other people we have given wrestler of the year to, or tag team of the year to. Yeah. So they have pretty much carried the backbone of all of the good things that have happened in this company for the last two years. See, <laughs> so he's not complaining about what Jeff's getting paid. And like, to be fair, Kid Cash has been very good in his own right. Not burying Kid Cash. Again, I think I do think they should give him a pay bump. <laughs> Maybe 700 bucks a month? I don't know. Something. Or a week even. Because he's also, like, you know, very good and has been a major part of the show since he came in. Mm. But, like, there's a way to go about it. 
Um, and I guess, you know, if you're frustrated um, because they're not going about it after you've you've done it in the proper channels, I'm sure there is frustration there, but like, don't, <laughs> don't do this. This is unprofessional. A number of wrestlers received raises when the company rolled over their contracts on June 16th. The company had to give the wrestlers 60 days notice that they were going to pick up their option for a second year. As reported last week, Kid Cash is one of the wrestlers who did not receive a raise and has been griping about it ever since. Jimmy Hart, who is known for being as diplomatic as anyone in the business, even had his fill of Cash's complaining. Observers say Hart listened to Cash's gripe for several minutes about being underutilized and underpaid. Hart even concurred with Cash and then sarcastically suggested that he quit and not make any money. (laughs) Hmm. Art also reminded Cash that his weekly payday doubled recently because of the addition of the impact tapings. Does that like mean he gets paid a thousand a week regardless of if he's booked on the second set of tapings? No, I'd imagine it's it's per match rather than per like week. So if he wrestles, he gets well, paid. Then if I'm Cash, I'm like, well, then make sure I'm booked on every taping. <laughs> like, like I I think that Cash does have a gripe here, that, and I'm sure it's frustrating that it doesn't feel like there's any way to ensure that you're going to get what you want Mm. but i don't think tearing down your fellow wrestlers in the locker room is the way to go about it well liam you'll be pleased to know they turn it into a work shoot so (laughs) well we did see a bit of that towards uh on the show with uh jeff june 25th impact has a six-man tag it's amazing ready the skipper and chris saban against the sour miyamoto and kazarian Mm -hmm. it's one of those matches that was pretty good pretty enjoyable good wrestlers really pushing um Nasawa and Miyamoto around their tag title match. This is where Nasawa learned everything about politicking from Vince Russo. <laughs> and four Dragon Gate fans have put up with it to this very day. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Nasawa had the pin on red after a Michinoku driver pulled him up. Skipper pinned Nasawa with the play of the day. Well, don't you look a fool, Nasawa. So Styles was again meant to face Kid Cash on the June 30th Fate pay-per-view, finally getting that match. but well, Should we include the AJ tag? Oh yeah, Styles and D'Lo faced uh, Dallas and Abyss in the main event of that episode. I guess that really fits nowhere else. Yeah, because it's, it's t- I think it was meant to be a continuation of the Cash AJ stuff, but Cash is out, so Abyss is in. Yeah, so Styles caught Dallas with a roll-up. Monty brawled with D'Lo after because they're feuding. Uh, Cash and Dallas attacked Styles before Cash dropped Styles with the moneymaker, and then the heels killed the babyfaces as the show went off the air. Mm-hmm. Good little match. Yeah, I thought it was alright. When you put four good wrestlers in there and Styles and D'Lo have good chemistry, good, fun stuff. Thumbs up. I think that much definitely would have been better if Cash was in there instead of Abyss, just because like they have had experience teaming up and it could have been more of a straight tag, but uh, it's still pretty alright. So Styles, as mentioned, was meant to face Cash on the last show of the month. Cash, they said, has been... But Matt Hardy showed <laughs> Cold-blooded. They said that Cash has been suspended, but they didn't say what for. Rince, uh, Scott Hudson asks Vince Russo later in the show what <laughs> he was suspended for, and again he says, no, we can't tell you. Which I think is such a cop-out, like, nope, not gonna say. So Cash left the National Fairgrounds shortly after meeting with TNA management prior to the June 30th pay-per-view. His bio has been removed from the TNA website and the wrestlers contacted <gasps> are split as to whether that's a sign that he has been granted his release or if management is turning the tension into a worth shoot storyline. It's the latter. One wrestler says Cash did <laughs> earn some points with some of the wrestlers, though, when he pointed out that AJ Styles is treated as the golden child by management for good reason. Yeah, but that, that's I just something I don't fucking understand. <laughs> well, you see, they're not the golden child, Liam. It's them that's not being considered for this position. It's AJ. So it's AJ getting preferential treatment. That has nothing to do with the degree to which he is talented. It's just unfair. But it's like also, you know, value for their money. <laughs> like, this is the guy. Like, I don't, I just, uh my head hurts. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's an ego business, but. They're just jealous of his spot. And jealous that he's better than them. 
So yeah, you can see he gets preferential treatment, says one TNA wrestler. I can't blame them. He's a top guy who's been here from the start, but it's definitely true what Cash said. He's a bit of a hero for having the balls to say it, but it won't get him anywhere. These people are stupid. I mean, I, I like that, that that wrestler even admits that he knows why. Mm. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's been here from the start and he over delivers and everything he's given and he's a top guy. But, you know, it's still bullshit. <laughs> So as it turns out, this cash stuff is probably a, a work turned into a shoot. It probably started as real as Dave doesn't think his interview where he complained was a setup. But then somewhere they're like, let's turn it into a work. And then they work the locker room, work the boys. They announce the suspension, the website thing. Uh, except he's not gone. They're trying to do a Pillman thing. Okay. So he'll come back probably sometime next month and they'll do the, he doesn't work here. Okay. <laughs> so AJ was meant to face Cash. Instead, he ends up defending the match in a six-way. We had a, a sit-down X Division interview before that where Scott Hudson had... So this is where we should have picked up on it because they're doing the Kid Cash shit. <laughs> yeah. So Hudson has the entire X Division. Daniel says that AJ deserves to be champ and they, that they all want what he's done. Then Michael Shane kind of snickers and gets into it with Daniels. And then Shane and Kazarian thing is like, AJ doesn't belong in the X Division anymore. Because he's killing us. <laughs> Because he's a much bigger star than us and we have bigger matches and better matches because he's here with us. Wait, no. <laughs> yep. Main event of that show, six-way X-Division title match. AJ Styles retained the belt against Michael Shane, Frankie Kazarian, Chris Aben, Amazing Red, and he looks good. Um, I thought this was fun. I really liked the last, like, five minutes where it went balls to the walls and everyone was just hitting stuff out of nowhere. Yeah, because there was a really long heat segment on AJ in the middle. But I liked it because I liked the, the story of, like, this is the guys who resent AJ for his position being the shit out of him. Mm. But then, yeah, when, as you said, once they kicked things into gear and just went all out, they did just go all out. It was just Styles, Red, Shane, Kazarian, uh, Skipper, just doing stuff and saving. Having a cool match. Yeah, I like this uh, this match. There's there an especially cool spot where Styles had somebody in the Styles Clash and then Frankie wave of the future Styles, which also included him hitting the Styles Clash. It's pretty cool. We also had a really cool spot where... um. Red went for the, like, runner on the top. AJ caught him into the Styles Clash. Yeah, which was the finish. Then he hit the Styles Clash to win, retain the belt. AJ's still your champion. Mm -hmm. The the story going forward is that Michael Shane and Frankie Kazarian are perhaps an alliance to take down AJ. (gasps) I'm very excited. I was was thinking at the start of this month, like, we have to surely be getting to the the Frankie and Michael Shane stuff. Mm. Because Shane has been kind of rudderless without the franchise stuff. And... Finally, so was Frankie to be honest. He just had like a bad match with AJ and then a good TV match, and he was just back in multi man. Yeah, it was very much the case that's all right, AJ's the guy now, so we're putting the belt on him, and you're just an afterthought. But now, now they have promo time, they have characters, they're feuding with AJ. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the other kind of X Division adjacent feud for the, the month, which is Team Canada against Jerry Lynn and Team NWA. It's more of a Scott Demore against Jerry Lynn feud. Yeah. So, first show of the month, June 2nd, Bobby Roode and Petey Williams faces Jerry Lynn and Heavy Metal. I kind of like Heavy Metal because he's kind of terrible. Hey, you want to know something? What? I kind of like Heavy Metal because he's kind of terrible. <laughs> he is like such a unique kind of terrible that like he's uncooperative, he's uncoordinated, <laughs> he, he just does shit out of the blue, but it makes him feel like novel. Yeah. And and he kills himself while doing it. Yeah. He's kind of like a perfect mix. You know what he is? Mm-hmm. He's that very special part of a Sasha match. Yeah. Where she just throws it all and just says, fuck it and let's go. But he's that the whole match. Or is it just that like little element of danger? Yeah. Like someone might get hurt here. And his name is 
heavy metal, and he has race car gear. Oh, the race car gear rules. I love his gear. I love his look in general. It's, it's perfect. I love heavy metal. So, yeah. Even though he's being brought back, Heavy Metal is having a lot of things said negative about him, similar to Hoovy. On the June 2nd show, the feeling was that he Boo. didn't sell enough, and he also gave Lynn the hot tag two minutes earlier with Lynn screaming at him not to, which caused the match to end two minutes early. When asked about it, he responded that sometimes in Mexico you change things on the fly. Sometimes in all of wrestling you do that. <laughs> yeah, he's a true worker. He's like, he felt that was the moment for the hot tag. Jerry, get in there. Yeah, would you yell at Sasha if you took it home <laughs> two minutes early? No. I do like that I'm comparing heavy metal to the biggest star in WWE. Yeah, it's Sasha Banks and heavy metal. It's the natural lineage of professional wrestling. Uh, I would love some photos of heavy metal with like his fans five meters away from him. <laughs> He's like, no, keep away from me. Yeah, I would pay $120 to take a photo five feet from heavy metal. Was that how much they cost? Uh, 120 was for the double with Naomi. Oh. So it's still probably like 80 bucks for Sasha. Mm. <laughs> I, I also, I love... Uh, I'm getting into this Sasha thing because I love it. I have no negative resentment towards Sasha about this. Keep those creepers away from me. Um, the fact that she would, like, hug the women mm. <laughs> would make all the men stay five <laughs> feet away from her. It's the fucking best. Those are the correct instincts when it comes to wrestle- professional wrestling fans, too. Yeah. Uh, Sasha's great. Um, I hope she doesn't go back. <laughs> She's probably going back. I know. So Lynn was about to pile drive to. You got Eo, okay? You can't, you can't get Sasha as well. <laughs> They're gonna get Roddy too, and you're gonna be so upset. Roddy's, Roddy, man. Hey, Roddy. <laughs> Listen, I know it's really tempting. I know Paul's there, okay? I know that he's he has a magic way with words, but you, you could do the four v four, okay? You could do blood and guts, man. Just fucking, I, I'm just not here to go, just go wrestle, fucking Kenny in a singles, please. You're like my top five wrestler of the 2010s, man. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll get Roddy in 2005 TNA. And, and I I have heard on the grapevine there's a one Alex Shelley coming up soon. Uh, the very first show of July. Ah, what a happy birthday present this is for me. Mm. Lynn was about to pile drive Scott Demore, but Derek Young hit Lynn with the flag t- attached to a hockey stick, allowing Team Canada to win. Team Canada attacked him after the, stay- after the match, but Team NWA made the save. Uh, I'm not into this flag match build. Well, yeah... Because it's still more World X Cup stuff and you hate it. It's like the World X Cup carryover stuff. So you're like, oh, it has the stink of X Cup on it. I mean, maybe that's it, yeah. But also I hate flag matches. So. You, but you love flags. I know, but I think they should be used as accessories and not be bandied around such. I do appreciate Scott Demore ripping a flag. It's mm. the ultimate sign of defiance. So, opening match of the first impact was that six-man tag with Team Canada, which leads us to the next pay-per-view, which had Team Canada facing the team of Hector Garza of Heavy Metal and Jerry Lynn. Lynn chased Demore out of the building straight away. Demore and Lynn eventually re-emerged on the other side of the building. Demore hit Heavy Metal with the hockey stick. Rude followed with a sit-up powerbomb. And then they tried to bury Garza under the flag after the match, but Lynn made the save. <laughs> Lynn, they, no, they didn't try to bury Garza, just bury him under a flag. <laughs> In a way. Lynn hit Demore with the NWA flag and was about to pile drive Demore again, but the Canadians stopped him. Demore ripped the NWA flag before the Team USA ran out to make the yeah, save. Yeah, uh, this part I did enjoy. I, I wish they um, I wish they weren't cowards, Garrett. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna say something here. Oh, do you wanted to desecrate a different flag? Is what you're about to say? Um, yes, I would have enjoyed if they ripped the American flag. <laughs> Which is, I believe, technically illegal in some places. But, but also based? But it stands for freedom, Liam. And in order to stand for freedom, you should be allowed to destroy the symbol. And what does NWA stand for? F- tradition. We've discussed this many times on this podcast. Yeah, um, 
Wait, is Demore anti-tradition? Has that ever been a part of his character? Yeah, he's going to join sex. <laughs> yeah, all right, let's go. Mm. Speaking of sex, did you see Demore in the singles match? <laughs> we'll get to it. Next episode of Impact, another multi-man. Team Canada defeated Team Mexico. Demore hooked Heavy Metal's leg and uh, then Rude pinned him with a Death Valley driver Canada. Jumped Team Mexico afterwards. Garza tried to make the save. Got overwhelmed. Team NWA made the save. You're discovering a reoccurring theme in these segments. Uh, yeah. So, to make a modern comp, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when Team Taz and Sting started feuding? Yeah. And every week there would be a Team Taz beatdown Sting save segment? Mm-hmm. Because they had, like, a whole nother month until the pay-per-view? Yep. That's what we're seeing right now, and it goes back to the earlier point that we made where we were talking about how there's just too much time to fill here, and... If this was a four-week, two-pay-per-view thing, this would be a lot smoother. Mm. But because we're having to drag it on and drag it on to fill time on all of these shows, it's getting bloated. Which is kind of fitting for the, because of the, the payoff to this whole feud. is quite a bloated <laughs> match. So maybe it was all intentional. <laughs> so main event of the next pay-per-view. Tanae interviews Team Canada and Demore. Tanae is mad that Demore ripped the flag of the NWA. Tanae is like, no, you don't rip tradition. I love this um, backstage, uh, not the, the Tanae segment with um, Tamor. I think Tamor, it's great. He's a top, like, top quality manager. Probably doesn't get enough credit for how good a manager he is. One of my, um, my favorite uh, characters on the show. I love his public facing character versus the, like, behind the scenes character that he's got going on where it's like, in front of the camera, in front of the interview, I'm cordial. I, I, I apologize for my actions. I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to give a presentation about Canada and Canadians, right? But then as soon as he thinks the camera's off, he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Don't question my authority. <laughs> I fucking rule all this shit. It's a, I like that he's kind of playing it in a two-faced manner. Mm. So yeah, Demore says that the NWA oppresses Canadians. Uh, which I love, and I love um mike cheney's uh, uh, response of like no there was one canadian in the world champion he's like 50 years ago mike yeah and one in 50 years huh mike huh <laughs> mike's like yeah the end of knows one canadian guy <laughs> it's cool he's like lynn is a poster boy for tna because he keeps on failing <laughs> which is a great bit and today starts asking pd rude and ey why demore leads them scott cuts them off before they can talk then rude asks like when can we speak and demore gets real mad and it's like as he said he thinks he's t- t- called the segment off and he starts shouting at Tanae first. It's kind of trying to cause dissension in his group. Yeah, I, I, I really love Scott. Um, I also really love the... I, I got the I, the impression maybe that we were starting to lead to like Bobby Roode leaving. Mm. <laughs> but I was like, that, fe- that feels early. But maybe we're just doing like a, a setup to that. Um, I also noticed, where is A1? <laughs> he's a much later addition. Like even Johnny Devine's only like in and out. He's He pops up in like one or two segments here and there. Uh, I get I get Johnny Devine and A1 mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> All the Canadians look the same to you, huh? Uh, listen, me, me and Mike, me and Mike, what can I say? But y- you're right. I, I was thinking of Johnny Devine. Because I was like, man, Devine killed it. And he's like one match that he did do that I saw, that I really liked. So I've been missing that guy. He pops up at some stage. I think it's in the either the big ass brawl at the end or during the Linda Moore match. He is on one of the shows this month. Okay, I'm glad that he hasn't been like removed from the group. So then, June 23rd, Jerry Lynn finally gets his hands on Scott Demore in a match that goes for reasons past incomprehension. 15 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, because I was saying before we started the show, like the first seven minutes of this, I was into. I loved it. 
I love Demore's shtick. I love that. Um, he, he, I love him flexing. I love him trying to get out of the match multiple times. But then, mm-hmm. uh, it kept going. Sure did. And then I fell asleep. <laughs> then I woke up and realized that uh, that I was watching Masquerita Sagrada, and I was like, "Hmm, wait a minute, that's not Scott Demore." So I re round it, and I saw the Cradle Pile Driver where he drops Scott right in his fucking head, yeah, right in his bead. <laughs> Which I love that. But um, I I see here in our notes that you can get at Patreon.com. Uh, there is a reason for this. Yeah, so the show had been improperly timed, and they basically had 10 extra minutes, so rather than rearrange the entire format of the show, they just lumped this segment, which was meant to go 8 minutes, so that it went 18. And it's like, Damore apparently wasn't entirely happy that he, like, literally did, like, a straight-up match with Jerry Lynn. He thought he should have been a little more chicken-shit heel, but they ended up going 15 minutes, and he kind of dominated him for a while. It was very weird. Well, he dominated him last time as well. Yeah, that match was only, like, five minutes, so... It kind of makes sense, I guess. I'm guessing that ten minutes came from them finding out that Jeff didn't want to go another ten. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, Demore hits a moonsault, uh, Lynn kicks out, to which Mike Tanay and Don West are stunned. <laughs> They're like, how can this big load Scott Demore land on Jerry Lynn and not kill him? <laughs> which is very mean. Um, also, and I said this last time, Scott isn't in bad shape. <laughs> Like, he's a big dude, but he's clearly, like, an athletic big dude. Yeah. So, Damore dropped the ref with a hockey stick as Lynn got a visual pin. Damore broke the stick across Lynn's back, but then Lynn kicked out. Lynn won with a cradle pile driver, which, as you mentioned, right on Scott Damore's head. Right in his dome. Mm. I, that was, that's a, it was a great pile driver and a great sell. So, Lynn had Born Raised in the USA as his theme song for this, and it played through the entire post-match angle. Because Team Canada attacked, save, made the save. They overwhelm save, and then Daniels makes his ultimate return from his shoulder injury to make the save. I was going to sing it as you did the rundown, <laughs> to, to, to symbolize the, the segment. To really give a people an idea of how it felt to watch this segment. Yeah. Garrett, I have a question. Would you recommend anything that we've talked about to the fans so far? Um, some of the X Division multi-mans are good. Maybe check. I mean, I tell you what. If we're being honest, I would say watch the first uh, episode of Impact. Oh yeah, watch that whole episode. It rocks. It's- and you know, you, you could watch it with our commentary alongside it. And it's free on YouTube <laughs> as well. You can just like that shows up on YouTube. So you can just go to YouTube. Yeah. You can watch. We should upload the commentary, so then you can just open up two tabs. Well, it's 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 on it's on Patreon. Guys, I tried. Teenagehead.com. Uh, but yeah, great episode of television. Really, like, as I said, a greater showcase of what TNA is. The rest of the stuff this month, that's all, like, none of it is bad, except maybe the trail K stuff. That's not good. And you hate this Desire and Trinity match we're going to talk about. Oh, I might tell you to watch that just if you hate yourself. But uh, there's just a lot of stuff that's fine, and you won't remember any of it. It'll just come and go. Even, like, the good X Division matches are all pretty, like... There, none of them are blow your mind out of this world. Best exhibition match you'll ever see. They're all good little matches, and nothing really rises above, rises above good little match this month. Yeah, I mean, there's some fun stuff, but uh, nothing that I'm like you have to go see. Yeah. So last show of the month, Team Canada faces Sabu and Sanjay Dust. Uh, Rude tried to hit Sabu with a hockey stick, but Sabu blocked it with a chair threw the chair into Rude's face and dropped a leg on the chair for the win. Sabu then hits Raven's pose after the match. Demore was mad, Rude, and Petey for losing, as Divine and EY then tried to cool things. You love this match. What did I give it? Two and three quarters. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good little match. They're good wrestlers in the match. My favorite spot in this match was Sabu was going to do his classic, like, run up the chair into a leg drop in the corner. But then Bobby mm-hmm. Roode just petulantly kicked the chair into Sabu's shins. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple good chair moments in this. Like, when um, he got it in there and he did it. And then he realized afterwards, I think, like, Sanjay did a roll-in. And he's like, holy shit, the chair's there. So he had to, like, roll over the chair to dodge it. It looked real cool. <laughs> mm. But yeah, after so there's dissension in Team Canada, which I don't think ever goes anywhere, but Demore's shouting at everybody. Well, you know, they're kind of on a bit of a, a downward spring of not really achieving much, so... Mm. Even though they, they literally just beat AMW on television, but that's neither here yeah. nor there. I, I, is that going somewhere? Maybe. Who knows? Perhaps. Well, I'll, I'll pose another question to you, Garrett. Shoot. Where, how do you feel about Team Canada's current position on the card? Because they came in pretty strong. They've only been here a few months now. Um, they, they're a consistent part of the show. They're all over the show in multiple divisions. I think they, they've settled well into a role that works for them as, like, real solid utility players. Mm. That they're the team or the wrestlers that they plug in literally anywhere when they just need guys to have a good match and a good little program. And it's like, let's just get one of the Canadians. We can put EY in a main event against Ron Killings for TV. We can put these guys in a TV match against AMW. We can put them against Sabu and Sanjay. We can just basically do whatever we want with them because they're good, well-rounded utility players. They also fit that role that a lot of randos would get thrown into that would be a lot less interesting because you didn't actually buy them mm. but but you chuck Petey and bobby Roode in a match or something and you're like oh these guys could actually win in this what would be like sabu and sanjay versus pat kenny and fucking whoever right like you get a little of that where it's like amw we'll talk about this in a very brief moment actually we'll go straight to the tech stuff but they face nasawa and miyamoto on these on one of these shows and it's like they're, they're never losing but also like that was really poorly built because they just had them lose all the way up to it if they had got like a couple wins not saying that you would have really bought it but you're like there's something to it you know you're like they didn't put enough behind nasawa and miyamoto i'm saying always that no one puts enough behind nasawa Tag Team Division, first show of the month. You had Kid Cash and Dallas defending the NWA World Tag Team titles against the team of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and the Cowboy, James Storm. So, like, not even by the standards of watching this a month ago, by how different the company feels from this first show, this feels like a decade and a half. Yeah, because, like, most of this match is Dusty stalling, Dusty being Dusty as the crowd goes nuts for him standing still, which, you know what? If you can do that, you can do it, but it doesn't make the most compelling watching, watching it, like, 18 years after the fact. Also, um, Dusty Rhodes, an official member of America's Most Wanted. Yeah, American Dream's Most Wanted. Good stuff. Uh, I mean, it's fun to see these two, these all together. Um, I'm sure it was wild for James to get to tag with Dusty. Yeah, so Dallas hit Storm with a pipe, allowing Cash to roll him up to return very weird that i called james storm james instead of storm you're on first name terms with him it's fine your buddy cowboy I james just, i didn't like it <laughs> didn't phonetically flow no james james and chris not storm and harris yeah wildcat and cowboy so despite storm losing that match they immediately got a title match as amw reunited to defeat kit cash and dallas and become NWA world acting champions i do like the, the whole story here like dusty does a promo about how Cash and Dallas called themselves one of the best tag teams in the world. He looked at like the the space encyclopedia, which is kind of how he frames it. <laughs> like of all the wisdom in the galaxy, Daddy, and he could not find Kid Cash and Dallas's name in this best tag team space encyclopedia. So I like the story that like they called themselves the best tag team for ages because AMW weren't in the division, and the second AMW were in the division, they beat them for the titles. Which like I guess makes sense a little bit because you're like you know Dusty and Storm were more of a special attraction mm. than, than the actual best team in company history so uh, an important note here randomly out of nowhere amw have decided to start wearing their old ring i gear. didn't even notice 
the difference, if I'm being honest. It's the gear they wore in, like, early 02 and, like, start of 03, maybe, and they haven't worn it for the best part of a year. Ah, uh, yes. I know what you're talking about now, because when they, they really started... I thought when... when we, this is not your fault. This is a Mike Tanay thing for me. Uh, he, he refers to the entrance gear as gear, mm. and that confuses me, because I think of the wrestling gear as gear. Not the jackets. It's just the jackets. I, I think of that as, like, entrance gear. So, yeah, I, I thought you meant, like, the tights were different or something. But, yes, I get what you mean now. Like, their their, their original, like, jackets and, and hat. The, the Storm is wearing the hat and the black jacket. And Harris is wearing that, like, red and black shiny jacket he has. That they haven't worn in ages, but they're wearing to set up this angle with No, the they're mattress. wearing it because they had to bring back, uh, go back to their roots to win the tag titles, Gary. Of course, storytelling. So, yeah, Dallas gets crotched in the ropes. Harris rolls him up. Four times champs. the last time ever, I'm sure. So, they did this gimmick where they uh, had a poll on the website to determine who would face AMW for in their first tag title defense. And the three options were the <laughs> NYC, X, and the Cash in Dallas. And even though they knew Daniels was already injured when they started the poll, Daniels won, X won. Maybe they were really thinking that the NYC fans were going to come out in uh, in droves. They would rally. I mean, if I was voting. Cash and Dallas fans would, be, would come out like Kid Cash is being held down by this horrible aj guy maybe they were just like hoping that uh cash would log in many a time and just keep voting for himself <laughs> he'd hack the website yeah so amw instead of facing triple x who was the number one team the skipper announced daniels would be out for four to six weeks they would face the number two option which was the nyc and then they had like the goal to have this highlight video later on in the month of all the cool tag teams in the division which by the way there was like three good ones in it and um, they put Triple X in there. I'm like, fuck you. They haven't wrestled in like three months. <laughs> yeah, because they had Triple X. They had The Naturals. They had Team Canada. And they had AMW. No, they didn't and... have The Naturals. <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't include The Naturals, even though it was before a match featuring The Naturals. Yes, because I, I remember I kept looking at it going, okay, when are The Naturals going to come up? And then they didn't. Yeah, and they had Team Canada. So they had like three actual teams. And then they're like, Miyamoto and and Nasawa. Sunny and NYC. Sunny Siaki and Irish Pat Kenny. And I remember like one of them being like, now, uh, you may not like them, but you can't deny the NYC's in-ring ability. <laughs> and I'm mm. like, can't I? Oh, and, and in this backstage segment, so Skipper was just talking, and they did like a dramatic zoom in on his abs. <laughs> Where they're like zoomed into his abs and like panned up to his face. It's like, listen, I get it. His abs are the very premier cute. athlete. I like Don on commentary. It's like, AMW must be absolutely delighted they're facing these nerds instead of Triple S. <laughs> I mean, they said basically the same thing in the Naturals match, too. Mm. So Trinity tried to interfere, desire even the odds. Harris pinned Gilberti with a spear. Then uh, we had more NYC nonsense afterwards. NYC. There's lots of NYC nonsense. So Cash and Dallas are off doing their own thing. This is AMW's division now. So Impact, Monty Brown squashed Sonny Siaki as AMW watched on from the ramp because they have a title match coming up against Monty and Abyss. I'm into the Monty and Abyss tag team in theory, but then the match was pretty meh. I really liked that match. Oh, I thought it was kind of meh. This was one of the very few matches this month that I was actually like, you know what, I'm on board. I enjoyed this Is, match. You think maybe it's because it's a bunch of people you enjoy? Well, no, because the crowd were hot, the crowd were into it, they had a good match, and then the Nationals came out to cause a DQ, because of course. But... Yeah, I, I I thought it was a good match. I, I, well, I don't know what to say, Liam. I thought the good heat, good action, good near falls, good oh, wrestling. Man, you're allowed to. I get it. You hate Abyss. You were like, I, Abyss shouldn't be doing things. They should have taken him out of that other tag match against Dilo and AJ. Yeah, if Kid Cash was in this. Whoa. 
Uh, so yeah, naturals interfered to cause a DQ. The naturals are on the gut check list, so they're super mad. And then they stole AMW's ring gear. They stole the jackets. I don't want to talk about each individual fucking beatdown from the naturals, <laughs> but I just wanted to say that I really liked all of them. <laughs> I thought they came in with intensity. I thought they were really interesting. I actually I was really into the naturals AMW builder on this uh. Which is funny because you sent me a message last night, which I think was during the Trio K match, where it was Naturals and David Young against Trio K, where you were like, <laughs> I'm bored and the Naturals are on my screen. Hmm. That's why they stole clothing and started beating people up. What do you want from me? Well, yes, but I think what I failed to take into account right. was that the three live crew were also on my screen. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I did not beware. They are coming for you. The remix. You didn't miss the It's the Remix. Well done. So I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> Drilled into my head. So they stole the ring jackets. Next the episode of Impact, the Naturals are facing Sanjay and Sabu, but AMW jumped them before the match. They brawl for a little while. Every time, uh, I forget which one is wearing James Storm's gear. Andy Douglas. Andy? I think it's Andy. Whenever Andy Douglas wears the gear, I think it's James Storm. Because <laughs> it's so big on him, it looks... I just like, oh, James Storm's attacking someone. I'm like, wait, no, he's attacking himself? And they go, oh, it's the Naturals. So yeah, they had a little match. Sabu ran wild, but the Naturals beat Sanjay with the Natural Disaster. Great tag team finish, by the way. I love the Natural yeah, Disaster. I, I'm I'm into this. I'm in, I'm into the Naturals. I hate to say, <laughs> Naturals jumped Sabu after the match, but then he made his own comeback. Cool. The Naturals are like straight up like. And who are the bigger nerds? The Naturals or the Hotshots? The Hotshots. At this point, I'm not saying the future because now the Naturals do get their they do eventually. I, I think just as human beings, Cassidy Riley is a more natural nerd than Andy Douglas. Uh, next pay-per-view, June 23rd, AMW defend the NWA World Tag Team titles against Miyamoto and Nasawa. Two men doing great Muda tributes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one of them will book him every time. Nasawa should book AMW. I mean, they're probably old enough that he'd get a push. They hit the death sentence in this match. And then Mike Tanay acted like it has been decades since we've seen a death sentence. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even notice that they weren't using it. <laughs> yeah, I get, like, they, they won the Dallas and Cash match with a, a roll-up, and I think they beat Swinger and Gilberti with a spear. So, they they haven't used it. But also, it's like, it's been, like, probably four months since we've seen a death sentence, Mike and Don. I mean, I guess that it was somewhat important, because I think Don said it, the last time they hit it was when it was off the cage. No, we've, we have 100% seen a death sentence since then. Well, I'm saying that's what they told me. And I was like, is that true? I don't know. <laughs> there have absolutely been death sentences in the last Are you year. saying Don West is lying to me? Yes, Don is wrong. <gasps> Sorry to say it, but he is. Hashtag Don is wrong. Get it trending for Garrett. They accidentally played Trio K's music as AMW hit the move. No idea what happened Beware. there. But- Naturals jumped AMW after the match and then applied lipstick to try and embarrass them. Okay, I like this beatdown. I don't know whatever subtext they're going for here, but uh, <laughs> I like. Um, I thought it was a brutal looking beatdown, and like obviously say what you want about the whole lipstick thing, whatever. It is a powerful image mm-hmm. to like mess someone up like that and have like their face because it makes it makes it really look like you've kicked the shit out of them. Mm. So I really thought it was it was a good beatdown, and I do like them doing it while wearing their clothes. I think that's a fun touch. I like. I really like the build to this. Like I said, if this was just going to a one pay per view and everything was on the same show, I, I think I'd be into this as the tag team title match on the show. Mm. And it does build to probably the best match the Naturals ever have in July. So you can look forward to that. I am looking forward. I'm looking forward to July. Got Alex Shelley. Got the Naturals getting the big tag title match. He says before he knows, I'll have to drag him kicking and screaming to actually watching uh, it. Maybe I'll catch COVID again. Who knows. <laughs> Last show of the month, Hudson has AMW. They're going to get revenge for the natural. Storm begins talking about how his mom threw a stereo at him once. <laughs> he's, I did like he's, uh, I raised my hands to my mother and she's like, you better use them, boy. Let's go. 
<laughs> you then had that feature you hated about all the fake teams. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I don't mind you showing me a feature on the tag division. Just don't tell me how good the tag division is and then show me that lineup. Yeah, they were like, Team Mexico, they're I'm a like, team. are they? <laughs> Never competed for the tag titles, but they could. Be. They could. But also, they barely show up anymore. So we had the Naturals facing America's Most Wanted. The Naturals won with a roll-up for an upset win. And AMW were, like, utterly shell-shocked that they lost this non-title match. Yeah, I thought this was a nice little match. Um... I like them like taking it to the outside, getting real real uh, classic AMW with it. Probably not the best AMW match in the world. I preferred the Monty and Abyss match, even though you chastised me for such a thing. But listen. Hey, you know what, Garrett? I don't care. Um, <laughs> so maybe I was going to be like, hey, man, you're allowed to be wrong sometimes. It's fine. But then you like pulled out of it. <sighs> We're in the third hour, man. What do you want from me? It is currently 12.30 a.m. Uh, that show ended with that big ass brawl, which AMW and the Naturals were part of. Every time you say big ass brawl, I think you're gonna like throw it at the ECW big ass match <laughs> bash. Ooh, which we are not reviewing. So this brings us to Liam's favorite part of the month. Let's talk about Goldilocks. Mm, I want to end on Goldilocks, but it's fine. We'll, we'll hey, maybe this will perk me up. Let's talk. I'm actually I'm into every one of these feuds we're about to talk to about, talk about. So first show of the month, Abyss defeats D Ray three thousand with a black hole slam squash match. Then Goldilocks to shove money down his throat, but Watts makes the save, and Russo's real mad that Watts is there because he told him to stay away. Um, yeah, D Ray's the best. I like that he annoys Pat Kenny and not Pat Kenny, he annoys Dungil Birdie. That's fun. And Scott Hudson has a gas that he can never find the ring. Get it, man, because he is high. Scott Hudson's like, the curtains, the lights, it's the same place it's always been. But to be fair, he does come from different sides of the camera. So maybe he just got turned around. Also, he got used to the one in uh, Florida, now he's in Nashville, you know, it's uh russo shouted at watts backstage they were in the parking lot he's like you shouldn't this isn't how you'll handle this i'll handle this give me the money and he hands back the gold the, the briefcase of eric watts money i guess which makes no sense <laughs> i i have no idea what this money is or where it's come it's from wcw money <laughs> she just took it watts keeps it in a briefcase under his bed so my, my favorite bit there's like one promo i don't know if it's the first or the second week but goldie cuts a promo about like and brings up eric watts's wife mm. and i'm like was he fucking you on TV, like, with his wife not watching or, like, watching the show and knowing about it? Because they were dating up until January. For, like, a year. So, is Watts just, like, real quick? He's like, I need a rebound, marry I might me. be like, well, you know, we did um, pose the, pos- the, the position of... There being a thruple in the Eric Watts household, so perhaps they were just cool with it. Mm, the, uh, but then Goldie got went like all psycho crazy. Maybe Eric Watts is ethically non-monogamous. Mm, good for him. Which could could be the case. So Goldie walks up while Watts and Russo are shouting at each other, and Goldie just starts like hitting Watts. <laughs> she's, she's like, <laughs> she's so good as a performer, man. <laughs> Every like, um, just to jump ahead a little bit, like in the the Watts Abyss like blow off match, her little like turns to the camera mm. they're so good <laughs> she's like gripping the briefcase with her life and like showing the camera off to start shooting the match again and just giving like the most disgusted look at them mm. it's good stuff yeah goalie walks up and insists eric should go home to his wife again <laughs> proposes a lot of questions <laughs> mm. So Russo was meant to visit Goldie in her, in her office, is what she said. My office. That's how that that last segment ends. She's like, which I think is just under the bleachers. <laughs> yes, come meet me in her office. Then we cut to a vignette the ne- on the next show of Goldie. She's freaking out. It has the timestamp of three fifteen a.m. <laughs> She's super mad at Russo for not visiting her office. She does not like the Vincent. Sl- <laughs> Sorry, yes, Vincent. She does not like the slander that Eric Watts is doing, and perhaps the suggestion that she's crazy. She wants Watts contract. She wants Watts for a bit versus Abyss contract versus money. 
I mean, yeah, sure. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> the following week, Eric Watts sets up a table on the interview set. <laughs> And he wants Goldie to come and accept the offer together. I, I thought he was like going to challenge her to an arm wrestling match. She'd win. Probably. She, she would also probably like claw his eyes yeah, out. Yeah, she'd find any means to win, but yeah. she'd win. She would like seduce you. She would, as you said, claw eyes out. She'd kick you in the shins. She'd kick you in the nuts. She'd like kick the leg out from under the table. She would do anything to win. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah, during the AMW against Abyss and Monty match, Goldie Locks was at ringside. Then Scott Hudson found her and dragged her away. <laughs> Scott Hudson has been great in this feud too Yeah so then Hudson has Goldie and Watts together They're shouting Goldie wants to own Watts Watts and Abyss brawl Goldie screams not your money As she's being dragged away by security (laughs) (laughs) She's like not your money Not your money (laughs) Not your money I do like that um, this is, like, she gets to do all her character work on the pay-per-view, but doesn't get, like, any lick of it on the TV. Yeah, because Abyss does a couple of squashes, and she's at ringside, but also she's not doing anything. Actually, no, she's not at ringside for the first one. They show her backstage. Yeah, she's out there for the D-Ray second match, mm. which I think I equated in my head as the one match, because I do not remember there being a second one. No, but there was also a D-Ray match on pay-per-view, and then there's a D-Ray, D-Ray match on Impact. Yeah, there was the gut check match. No, I'm saying, like, the, there's two D-Ray Abyss matches. Oh, yeah. June 18th on Impact, and also the one on pay-per-view the week before or two weeks before. D-Ray is just doing his best and getting squashed every time. I said Impact, I meant the first pay-per-view of the month. Everyone's going get to in the, get in the Discord and be like, oh, Liam, you messed up, man. It was actually the first <laughs> NWATNA pay-per-view of the month. It wasn't the first Impact. The Goldie was also at ringside for the Dallas and Abyss versus Styles and D-Lo match. He was clutching her briefcase. I wonder what's in there. Money. I mean, like, as a shoot. It's probably still money. <laughs> you think they trust her with money? <laughs> yeah, Goldie has, like, ten grand sitting in a briefcase at ringside. Uh, it would have been a good bit if, like, when Abyss hit Watts with it in, in the blow-off, it, like, exploded in the money. <laughs> and then everyone rushed the ring to get some for themselves. <laughs> and Goldie just pulls out a switchblade. <laughs> yeah. Starts cutting people. Goldie should be given a <laughs> Screaming, not your money at fans while she stabs them. <laughs> that is my um character suggestion for her continued uh, progression, is that she gets a switchblade. She has a knife. Mm. She is the original knife pervert. <laughs> she has, if there's one thing I feel confident in describing Goldilocks as, it is knife pervert. Mm. I can just imagine her doing her, like, her hidden camera show. And she's like, oh, hey, man, uh, could you, like, fill up my tires? Oh, cool, yeah, I'll go out there and do it. And then they go out there and she just, like, gets a blade on them and is like, come on, fill it. <laughs> and they're like, whoa. What? And everyone's like, Goldie, this isn't a prank. This is just assault. Her entire show is just, like, getting into wacky, whimsical scenarios where she, she then just pulls a knife on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> she's sitting in there in that phone store and the, the person won't help them and she just pulls the knife. Will you okay. help me now? So this is a missed opportunity. <laughs> They should have redone the first one, uh-huh. right? But with her in full crazy character. <laughs> with Abyss standing there. Yeah, like, they go into the store, and instead of, like, any preamble, she just goes straight into it. Mm. <laughs> and they don't even talk at first, she just goes, There's my phone! <laughs> God damn it, Goldie. Like, Eric and Vincent have been calling me non-stop. And this guy's like, it has no missed calls, what's happening? He blames him. See, no one respects Goldie's vision. Mm. million. We make the company. We hire Goldilocks. She will be the main character. Like, we've we've reached this stage now in wrestling where mid and early 2000s acts are getting a second chance. Mm -hmm. I'm saying someone pick up Goldilocks. She was just on Slammiversary. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not taking credit for for any of the Slammiversary stuff, but um, everyone we talked about 
Anyone we've ever put over got put on that show. Yeah, she didn't try and stab anybody on Slammiversary, but she was on Slammiversary. Yeah, they, they, they missed opportunity not to have her do like something with Alex Shelley. Mm. So Hudson, last show of the month, has Goldie and Abyss. They talk about how Eric Watts' wife is here. Goldie doesn't plan to give Watts her attention. She insists Watts still loves him and that we'll never see Watts again once she wins this yeah, match. I was like, man, well, Watts is definitely winning this match. Well, he didn't. He lost to Abyss. Um, Georgie was his wife's name. Yeah, she's at ringside. Also, fair play to Eric Watts. <laughs> he did well for himself? Yeah, he did well for himself. Assuming that's his shoot wife and not a worked wife? I was trying to work that out. But again, I said Georgie Watts is not a worked name. Mm. Georgie Watts is a real life name. It's a person. Also, Eric Watts definitely has a type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ref is distracted getting rid of a chain, allowing Abyss to hit Watts with the case. But Watts kicks out. Watts then knocked Abyss into Goldie on the apron, hit a choke slam, but Abyss kicked out. Watts was gonna choke a slam Goldie, but she raked his eyes and Abyss hit the back hole slam for the win. Abyss choked Watts with the chain. Watts' wife then jumped into the ring, threw a drink on Goldie, climbed on Abyss's back and saved Eric. Fair play to Watts' wife. She's like, I'm gonna have to fight Abyss. And she did. She 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 fought Abyss better than Eric That's did. That's a ride or die. My favorite part of this match was they set up the chair wedged in the corner and it fell out. <laughs> like twice. And Goldie's had to spend like 10 minutes trying to put it back. Yeah. Well, my favorite part is Abyss no-selling Eric while he's trying to do it. Mm. I mean, to be fair, like, that obviously was something that they were very, they desperately wanted to get done, because Abyss took a hell of a bump through it. I love the chair in the corner bump. It's one of my favorite bumps. But, like, rarely do you see someone continue, because <laughs> Abyss took it and then did, like, a biggie spear to the floor. Mm. It was crazy. Abyss rocks. Abyss rocks. Goldie rocks. I love this pairing. You know what? I honestly, I don't need James Mitchell to ever come in. Just keep Goldie as a business manager forever. The sinister minister Goldilocks. <gasps> hey, they should have kept them together. Imagine Mitchell and Goldie. That is a a pairing that gets Abyss to the main to the main event scene. <laughs> so Goldie owns Eric Watts' contract. Uh, yeah. Now. So I guess this is the last time we'll ever see Eric Watts. Ever, ever. That's what um, Goldie said. I'm going to be really disappointed when Goldie and Eric Watts are gone. Actually, Watts is still around for most of the rest of the year. I can't remember when Goldie leaves. Uh, well, doesn't she? She has to the Shelly stuff soon. Yeah, and she has the abyss, and she has like wearing fur coat Goldie. We still haven't gotten to fur coat Goldie. Well, she has all the money. Where she starts being like Cruella Deville. <laughs> she has all the money. Mm. She should threaten to skin Shark Boy. <laughs> She's like, just like sex. She wants his mask, but to turn it into like a coat. <laughs> <laughs> she wears her Shark Boy coat. It's like um in Stardom, and <laughs> like they'll take the mask and they'll put it in the gear. Mm. So, like, we have Monty and D'Lo doing some stuff. Monty squashes Siaki, I think, twice. Once on paper, once on TV. We do, for the first time on the TV squash, we hear the classic Monty Brown theme. <laughs> we hear that one for the first time when he faces uh, Siaki on TV. And then they have a match toward the end of the month. Ends in a no contest when they brawl into the crowd. They just stop the match. Oh, uh, is that the D'Lo one? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate that match. I, I don't care enough about any of this D'Lo stuff. <laughs> Oh, let me tell you how much I hate that match. Go for it. They were belonging to the outside, Mm -hmm. and it was embarrassing. Yeah. Because the crowd was silent. Mm. It was an asylum crowd brawl, and they were silent. Yeah. Do you know how impressively awful that is? It takes a bit of effort. Jarrett and Road Dog do it all the time and somehow get a reaction. (laughs) (laughs) But... But this killed the crowd. They did not give a shit about this. And it's, I thought it was weird because, like, I get it, the D-Lo stuff hasn't been good, but they've been into Monty for the most part. 
And like when D'Lo came out and cut promos, they were into I just them. I don't think um they're into the D'Lo in ring stuff, and I can't honestly kind of can't blame them. Mm. Sorry, it was Monty against Pat Kenny where you heard the Monty theme for the first time, not to see. Wow. So yeah, but yeah, well, so that match was weird because there was a suicide dive <laughs> chair shot that they just <laughs> let happen, mm. which I was like. Okay, is this no DQ? But then they got the no contest, so I, c- I couldn't tell you what was happening. They also, like, there has been a thousand matches that have spent most of the match out on the floor that have never gotten counted out. And Rudy, apparently this one, it's like, this is the bridge too far. I'm finally going to assert my authority. I think it's Monty. Because Monty did it with Sabu and also got a no contest. Yeah, we count out Monty and Monty alone. Because yeah, they're, they're scared of what he'll do. Yeah, so that's your Monty deal stuff for the month. There's not much Ooh, of it. I, also, I don't, I don't want to give this match one bit of credit. Go on. D'Lo took a hell of a bump over the stairs mm. and like fell down them. It was very weird. <laughs> How can you fall down ring steps? Feels like something you shouldn't be able to do. How about you? What? I mean, D'Lo managed it, so fair play. All right, it's time to talk about your favorite story every month. It's the NYC against Pat Kenny and Sonny Siaki. You had the Monty against Siaki match. There was a post-match angle there where the NYC ran out. They hit Siaki with a coconut. They dressed him in a hula outfit before Pat Kenny made the save where Trini and Desire were there too. That's it. They were racist toward Pat Kenny, and now they're being racist towards Sonny Siaki. I see how their racism is a comeuppance towards them. Then um, they get a title match. Yep, they sure do. They win the poll, and by win the poll, they finish second in the poll. Uh, Design, Trinity, Brawl, NYC, Attack, AMW, don't care. Yeah, AMW just leaves. (laughs) (laughs) And they even, like, mention it on commentary. (laughs) Like, AMW was gone. Yeah, because Design, Trinity, Brawl, AMC are beating them up, and AMW are just gone. They're, like, teasing a balcony dive, and AMW are nowhere to be seen. They stopped the balcony dive. That's it. Yep. <laughs> so we're building to the ultimate humiliation match. Monty beats Siaki on TV. He squashes him. Uh, Desire checks on Siaki as AMW watch on from the ramp. There's not much going like, on there. That is Sonny Siaki's girlfriend. Mm. On the next show, we get two builds because we get Trinity and Angel Williams. Yeah, the debuting. Actually, not the debuting. She was in the Frankie Kazarian angle, but this is the first time she's wrestled on TV. The the future Angelina Love having a match here. Randomly. I appreciate... Um, how brutal Trinity is. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, all right, I'm going to beat the hell out of this girl. <laughs> I'm going to throw a chair at her. I'm going to do moon moonsault with the chair. She's just, she's she's uh, playing the role of being the heel bruiser quite well. Yeah, she's the, the tough person of the NYC, unlike this freaking Swinger and Pat Kenny. <laughs> Alternatively. Or Gilbert, even. I hate to talk bad about my girl desire uh-huh. i am a notorious desire fan mm-hmm. um she is not playing any role in this world she's trying to be the the mom who's being forced to wrestle because she broke her back <laughs> maybe that's just a bad character and that's the problem is she not playing that role well i guess she's playing it well but it just shouldn't exist mm-hmm. desire uh and uh trinity also get this really cool song whenever they do a highlight package for him and i'm into it yeah they're, this is the biggest women's feud in TNA history, which is sad to say in a way. Can I give it to Alexa Zuri and uh, Trinity from earlier? Their one match? Yeah. <laughs> it was better. Mm-hmm. Then they start setting up the humiliation box match. Yeah, but they don't care. They're proud of their heritage. You know? We could do a humiliation box match. What would I have to wear? <laughs> I think you know what you'd have to wear. A kangaroo costume? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Famous Irish You'd have to dress like that Irish soap and then also not drive anywhere because you don't have any cars. Yeah, only use horses. Um, I would obviously have to dress like that Ashley dude. <laughs> whatever his name <laughs> Ashley was. Hudson. The sex Australian champion. Yes, I'm the sex Australian champion, but yes. Then they have the match. I think the match is okay. Please tell me your deep thoughts <laughs> on this Tiaki and Pat Kenny against Gilberti and Swinger humiliation match. I would, mm-hmm. but I don't have any. 
Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, I do have some. I, I like the second one more. <laughs> Why did you like the second one more? What was uh, the difference? I, I like the fake out. I thought like um, I was like, God damn, wait, they're actually the NYC are gonna win, mm. and then they they reversed the decision and started the match again, and of course Siaki and Kenny won, and now they're stuck in in the outfits for an extra thirty days. I enjoyed all the segments where they were like, we don't want to be seen wearing them, and then uh swing is like actually this kind of rocks i'm into my favorite part of this entire thing so they lose the humiliation match which means they have to wear silly outfits for 30 days so gilberti has to wear like an irish leprechaun outfit and siaki has to wear like a hula skirt outfit and gilberti is always like super embarrassed he doesn't want to be seen on camera he's like no i don't want to be embarrassed on television and then swinger is always just standing in the foreground flexing his pecs and I guess it's—I guess Gilberto just says it's really embarrassing to be Irish. <laughs> Can't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the match was okay. What do you want from me? Yeah. So the last show of the month, David Young offers the suggestion that listen, there's a way out of this. You should offer double or nothing. So they suggest that to Pat Kenny and Simon and uh, Simon Diamond. He's the same person. Sonny Siaki. Simon Diamond and Pat Kenny uh, teaming up. You know. Yeah, and that'd be impressive. <laughs> Uh, they agree they do the match double or nothing ultimate humiliation match as you mentioned Young interferes helps Gilberti score the one with a chain Mike Posey then comes out explains what happens the match is restarted and then Kenny rolls up Gilberti for the win the, the NYC will have to wear their outfits for another 30 days the inconsistency on the referees in TNA kind of kills me <laughs> it's just whatever they need at the time there is no rule it's the matches can restart whenever they need it whenever they want to we also skipped um, the Desire Dream. Oh no, I was leaving it as the main event. Please take it away for this story. <laughs> the the Desire NWATNA baby number 100, the second anniversary pay-per-view in the first ever women's stretcher match, June 23rd, 2004, Trinity faced Desire in a stretcher match. Quarter star. I went, what did I give it? Two and two? Two. I gave it flat two because <laughs> Trinity tried to do a balcony dive. Cool. I gave it a quarter star because Trinity tried to do a balcony dive. If that balcony dive didn't happen, I would have given it a dud. This match is awful. It is really, really, really boring and really, really, really bad. Imagine every Asylum walk and brawl if it somehow was even less exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, imagine, right, you're watching Road Dog Jeff Jarrett. Okay, okay I'm, I'm, I'm closing my eyes and visualizing now. Yeah, okay. Now imagine if they did like one punch every two minutes mm-hmm. and now you have my problem with the match. I think it's better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that match is better, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the weirdest, because at least the crowd would give a shit. The weirdest thing about the stipulation here is instead of putting each other on the stretcher, they would bring them over to the stretcher, and then security would pick them up and put them on. <laughs> security would push the push the stretcher, which is also yeah, weird. yeah. This match just sucked in every way. I was telling Garrett, I watched this match on two times speed, and it still felt like a snail's pace. <laughs> I don't know how that manages to happen. This is the only time in history I've watched a match on two times speed and still pressed the skip button because nothing took fucking place. Why do you hate women, Liam? <sighs> it was cool. Trinity did try to do a leg drop out of the stand through a table, but then Desire moved. No, uh, this is just bad. It's awful. It's shit. Um, Gail Kim, please save us. <laughs> we had a big debut at the end of it, though. In, in name only. <laughs> big Vito smashed the ambulance door into the face of Desire as he emerged from the ambulance to help uh, Trinity put desire in the ambulance Vito is in TNA I I honestly forgot Vito was in TNA here he is I was like oh it's Vito <laughs> I mean I was like oh it's Vito too but I didn't have a reason <laughs> all right well let's give us the big Vito background Garrett. former WCW star Vito 
Yep. That's about it, really. <laughs> what, he wore a dress. He did. Uh, I meant more like the backstage note. Yeah, Big Vito made an appearance on the anniversary show. He was hired as a special favorite of Vince Russo, who has been asking Jeff Jarrett to hire him for months. Vito was described as humbled and on his best behavior while backstage. That's a major change from his backstage reputation. While in WCW and ECW, Vito was known for being very opinionated and often rubbing people the wrong way after he and Johnny the Bull won the tag titles. So yeah, you know, I'm sure he'll fit in perfectly. Oh, there's so much drama backstage in this company right now. It's great. I mean, this is why we're here, right? No one's here to hear our review of Masquerita Sagrada vs. Mini Perot. <laughs> Like, we're here to talk about Kid Cash being mad, AJ Styles backing down, Scottie Moore having to work 10 minutes, you know, like... Everyone bitching about, like, Goldilocks and Desire apparently had an attitude too, but she was improving. <laughs> Every woman on the roster, Trinity, is apparently taking after Kid Cash, because they're together and that's that she has attitude problems. Every woman, for some reason, again, hmm... Makes you think uh, that Vito is, is problematic, that Raven is giving out that he wasn't on TV, that Johnny Fairplay is giving out that he wasn't on TV. There's, like, just so much bitching and moaning. Vince Russo hates the angles that he's in. Yeah, the, he thinks the TV sucks. Dusty is looking at power plays. Raven hates DDP. Everyone is looking to get ahead. It's great. It's, like, backstabbing and treachery. It's tremendous. Mickey Dole, who appeared as a legend on the anniversary show, was a Michigan area wrestler who trained Demore. <laughs> Showed up as a legend. <laughs> But yeah, that's more or less the NYC stuff for the month. They have to wear their embarrassing outfits for yet another 30 days. Uh, he has to be Irish for another 30 days. <laughs> there couldn't have possibly been a worse fate. Coming soon to OTT. Glenn Gilberty. Irish Pat Kenny. Oh, bring it, run it back. All right, let's wrap up with the last feud for the month. One that wasn't the worst, Sabu and Raven. <laughs> Just Sabu. You know what? Go on. I think that this feud was pretty good. Yeah, so Raven started the month with losing the King of the Mountain match before then pivoting into his proper feud with Sabu. I was going to say, I like this um, this feud because it actually felt like Sabu was getting something. Yeah, which is for the first time in TNA history, basically. Yeah, maybe his like, debut was the last time he had something. <laughs> when he faced um, Shamrock. Or Malice. In a ladder match. In a ladder submission Best. match. I mean, that was that was one of the best eras of TNA because it was just freak show wrestling. Yeah, and people would show up all the time and then disappear and then show up again. Which never happens now. Gorgeous George. You got Shamrock and Gorgeous George this month. That's less fun than Sabu. <laughs> Shamrock's pretty cool. Except he's bad in TNA. Nah, so. he had a really bad last run. I'm not exactly fucking doing flips over it. <laughs> so, June 9th, NWA TNA baby number 98. Raven is sitting outside the building where he has issued a challenge to Sabu. Uh, yeah, I like this setting in a different spot. I think that's cool. Mm. I like his um kind of homebrew version of the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. Mm. Yeah, I um I dig this little aesthetic choice. My favorite part is they do a second one of these where Raven is just standing outside holding a burning kendo stick. Good in these like um pre-edited promo stuff. Yeah, and then Sabu is like sitting backstage pensively looking at a a photo of the original Sheik. Talking to his best friend Sanjay yes, does. His close personal friend Sanjay. Which, uh, of course, Sanjay goes into the, the gut check match as well. Yeah, so franchise is outside with Raven. Raven is happy Douglas is an interviewer now. Raven points out that he's never had a singles match with Sabu. And then Raven says it's because Sabu is scared of him. I like um, that we find out almost immediately that this isn't the case, but Raven still runs with it. Yeah, he's just like, he's afraid of me. He doesn't want to fight me. He's a little bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I did enjoy. Sanjay does, as he mentioned, have a gut check match. He defeats David Young, D-Ray 3000 and Shark Boy. I don't know why Sanjay's on the chopping block, but listen, he lost that best of three against Red, I guess. I He's don't out. like the gut check match. It just feels mean. It does. It's like, you suck and you might but be But also, fired. like, no one ever actually gets fired for losing him, so. Yeah. But then, of course, he gets the win and he immediately, like, leaves the building. Yeah, because he wants to go tell Raven what Sabu had to say. So Sanjay says there'll be no Raven versus Sabu match and that Raven knows about the promise. Raven slaps Sanjay and they brawl. Raven hits a low blow, attacks Dot with weapons. Raven DDTs Dot and says this was on Sabu's hands. Said promises they're made to be broken as Sabu checked on a, a beaten and battered Dot. Well, was Sabu just hanging out the front while, they, while Dot was getting the shit kicked out of him? Yeah, because of the promise. So he just has to stand there and watch as his pal gets ki- killed. It would have been even funnier if Raven was like seen on camera just watching. Mm. Uh, Sabu, of course, I mean. But like, just, he's just like, he's like going, oh, I wish I could help, but I can't. He does the NXT conflicted face. June 16th, Hudson has Raven. Hudson then explains that Sabu and Raven have vowed to the Sheik that they'd never wrestle. I feel like they should have held that little mystery a little longer. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but... um, I think it's a, it's a decent question as to, well, why doesn't Sabu want to face Raven? And they do then explain that it's because they were both trained by the Sheik and they promised they would not wrestle each other. Yeah, and because like it also, that would make the, the time when Sabu finally does do it as like... Ah, you know, mm. why, why is now, okay, like, what rules were, and then, like, you could have the big moment where it's revealed why Raven wasn't doing it, but now he has, he has to overcome that promise because of what Raven's done. Yeah, Raven was mad that Sanjay interjected himself into this, and it says, again, promises are made to be broken. So then he faces Sanjay, Raven, as mentioned, he hurt his ribs in one of the dark matches before TV, and he was still injured here, and he wrestled Sanjay, and he aggravated that rib injury. So that we're gonna we're gonna get slow development on this story for a while. It feels like Raven does kind of like disappear for a bit because yeah, I think this is Raven's last actual appearance. He does a promo where he's like. Uh, oh, you were right all along because Dusty got through to him. We'll talk about that in one sec. And then they they do the thing where he hangs him, but the Raven's not actually there then. So I don't. I think this is actually the last show Raven is on this month. Yeah, but um, what did you think of the match? Yeah, so Raven basically squashes Sanjay. He had it one with a power bomb, pulled him up. Raven promises to keep beating Sanjay until Sabu comes out. Raven pulled Dutt up again, taped his hands together, tries to maul Dutt with a screwdriver. Uh, my favorite, like, subtle thing that he did was he's like, I'm going to keep torturing you. And he just, like, rubs his face into the mat. And I was like, that looked awful to take. Dropped to hold him onto a chair. Raven pinned him. And Thomas then gave the fast count to save Sanjay because kept, Raven kept pulling him up so the referee kind of intervened via fast count. That's a, that's a good touch, actually. I like that. I would say you have ref stoppage powers. But I guess it's Raven Raven's rules. This was a Raven's rules match, so yeah. maybe he was like, no ref stoppages. There's no DQ, there's no stopping. Yeah, I like it though. So Raven starts taping Dot's legs. He wants Dot to call out for Sabu, which Dot eventually does. Sabu gets between Raven and Dot. Raven slaps Sabu, tries to provoke him. Sabu doesn't rise to it. Fucks up, Sabu. He beats the shit out of him. <laughs> he really does lay in those shots, which again, really does work for the angle they're going for, that he's really trying to get the rise out of Sabu here. And this is Sabu, you know, this is the fucking wild man, and he's not, he's not biting. Eventually, Dusty comes out after security intervenes, and then he chastises Raven for not respecting the Sheik and forgetting what Sabu did for him. Then Dusty invites Raven to, to take a shot to fight him instead, and Raven I walks like away. I like Raven being like, this has nothing to do with you. Mm. Get out. I'm a little sad we never get a Raven and Dusty match, but mm. that would rule. Raven just more Raven Dusty back and forth. Yeah. 
So we have Sabu drama. <laughs> I love Sabu drama. Let's go. Sabu's return all along was the setup for him to team with Raven and then feud, even though the team never really got going and plans for them to do a traditional split up kept changing. Raven pushed for it, thinking Sabu was the one wrestler he had never worked a singles match against, even though they were together in ECW as two of the company's biggest stars. Sabu, who had screwed up more than once in the past in TNA, had some office people arguing against using him. While his matches while haven't been off the charts, he internally had zero problem during this run. Both he and Stephanie Bellers overslept their flights. Reoccurring trend here in TNA. Stop booking early flights. <laughs> Sabu got in four hours late for television as he also missed the second flight and the company has been insistent guys don't miss their early morning flights. Jeff, please, we need you to make it. When he got there, he was a mess. Jerry Jarrett, who almost never yells at anybody, tore him up bad and Sabu really respects Jarrett because he respects all the veterans. He was scheduled for a post-show dark match main event against the Abyss with the idea of giving the Loud Crowd a special match. For one, the Loud Crowd didn't really care once TV was over. Second, the match was, from several different sources, terrible. Hmm. The funny thing is, according to wrestlers watching, it was Abyss and not Sabu, who was in the wrong position to blew the spots. Others say it was Sabu, though. But since Sabu was a mess and everyone could see that, he got the blame. There were people talking about mm. not using him any longer, and Sabu was enraged after the show, saying he was frustrated how he was being used because he wanted to do more wrestling. He complained that his role in the pay-per-view, where he just stood there while holding a photo, was getting money he didn't earn because he didn't do a match. Which, that's the most honorable thing I've <laughs> ever heard a pro wrestler say. <laughs> Also, I don't believe it for a second. In the Abyss match the next night, the match ended with Raven doing a run-in on Sabu, and in climbing into the new six-sided ring, he thought he cracked a sternum. As it turns out, X-rays revealed a broken rib, although he's at this point expected to be out for two to four weeks. Uh, explains why this uh, feud's kind of on ice a little bit. Mm. By the time the night was over, Sabu was telling friends he wanted to quit, and several in the company thought he should be fired. Others were arguing against firing him, but said he shouldn't be used for a while. One person in the company who was close to him felt firing would throw him into a depression, and for his sake, giving him time off was the best thing for him. Others wanted to ignore what happened so as not to interrupt the plans. Fucking wrestling. <laughs> and there was even a suggestion of keeping him around for the first match with Raven, which is now going to be a few weeks away, and hold off any other decision until then. At press time, it appeared they were going to keep using him so as not to change pre-existing yeah. plans. Um, uh, the Jarrett's kind of running into the situation that I run into every time I try to book TNA 2004 <laughs> to 2006, where Sabu continues to be a problem. <laughs> now you understand why all those mods are train wrecks, where it's like everyone's unhappy, everybody's bickering. You look at this backstage locker room, it's like, oh yeah, it's actually true to life, isn't it's it? Like, yeah, can you get it together for my sake? <laughs> I'm sure, I remember like this one time we were playing and you're trying to do this like, Sabu, Raidu, Raven thing and just every show they would all be fucking up and you're like, come on, please. I just, just want to have one good match. Please, come on, guys. Uh, but, um, and then, like, I see, like, it's a hard thing because I under, I mean, I guess it's not, like, the biggest storyline on the show so you could find a way to cool it off for a bit, but, um, they have invested weeks into this now. Mm. But also, like, you should probably put people's health above all. Yeah. Your little wrestling story doesn't matter, ultimately. It's a hard balance. Especially with guys like, you know, Asabu, who's, like, insisting that he wants to be a part of the show. Mm. And, like, you have guys telling you that, like, if you did fire him, it wouldn't be beneficial to him anyway. So it's like, I mean, I don't envy the, the challenge of balancing people in that position, you know? It is ultimately a no-win situation. Which is, I guess, is the, the no-fun part. Like, especially because now, you know, TNA is being presented as a major pro wrestling company. Mm. If it's just an indie, then you're just like, well, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It doesn't matter. We can, we can just not book the guy for the next show. But this is a television pay-per-view product now. And uh, 
with that some expectations come along and it becomes a more serious and more dependent business yeah it's not like this stuff never happens in WWE but it is exceedingly rare that you have these kind of blow-ups. Like, the, the kind of Sasha and Naomi walking out thing is such an impactful news story because it, it just doesn't really happen there. People just, like, swallow their problems and get on with yeah. it. Yeah, and then when it does happen, you know, they get villainized in the media. Mm, they do the full hit job. Puck gets put on ice for a year and a half. Mustafa Ali is on the same way until they make him swallow his pride and get back to work, you know? Mm. It's a lot. So later in the show, Hudson has Raven. Raven apologized to Sabu after Dusty's speech and says next week he's going to have a tribute to the Sheik. And Mike Tanay is like, I like that Mike Tanay is like, he's fucking lying. I don't believe him. I So, yeah, we go to this. <laughs> yeah, before that, we do have the Naturals face Sabu and Sanjay on impact. Naturals win with the Naturals. It was a decent turn. little match. So, yeah, Franchise is backstage. He's looking at Raven's tribute to Sabu, which was a dummy hanging itself. I hate to say that I did not trust TNA enough to not go and search his cause of death. Because <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to see if how bad a taste this is. Mm. Um, he died of heart failure. So it's only kind of in bad taste. Yeah. He'd only died the year before, too. It's not like he's been dead 20 years. Yeah. I imagine that, to be honest, though, like, if I'm if I'm the Sheik, I'm probably the workerest worker in the world, and I'm like, yeah, man, do it. Yeah, you turned my death into an angle. Mm. 100%. Which I guess, was, that was always the Eddie defense in WWE. Eddie would have loved this. So, yeah, franchise is like, you don't want to look at this Sabu, but then Sabu walks in, looks at it, he's sad. Then Mickey Doyle randomly approaches and tries to talk Sabu into doing well, the right t- which thing. Which is to beat the fuck out of this guy and break your promise to your dead uncle. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Mickey Doyle, they built up throughout the whole show that he was here for personal reasons, not just to be a legend. Yeah, because they, they had a bunch of seats there, because like, Larry Z was there, Sarah the Ticket Taker was there, Harley Race was there, Dusty was meant to be there, but he was um, taken out because by the guitar shot, and Mickey Doyle was there. He's selling it. Dusty's a pro. Which of these names? Even though Dusty did walk out of the main event. I also there, do love so. um, a little Harley appearance. I'm always down for a Harley race appearance. Yeah, he never does much an impact, but... He's also just a cool dude, isn't he? Corsica Joe was the yes. last person there. Who I definitely know. He's been on the show yeah, before. Yeah, but who I definitely know. <laughs> As this guy who shows up occasionally in TNA. Uh, yeah, we did Raven's injured, so he's hurt his ribs. Apparently he had severe cases of pneumonia too. He's having a rough time, Raven. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> we get to we get to end it on a real strength here. So yeah, Sabu and Sanjay defeat Team Canada. Nice little Ooh. match. That's it. That is everything that happened. This is the longest recording we've ever had. Very quickly, show by show, there is nine of them. NWA TNA debut number 97, <laughs> June 2nd, is the show we did a watch-along for. It is the debut of King of the Mountain, teenagehad.com or patreon.com slash me if you would like to hear our full reactions to that show. You got anything, Liam? No. Cool. Impact, episode number one, June 4th, 2004. First episode of Impact. We've also done a watch-along for that. We also discussed it in... Um... In depth. Yeah, we did an actual review of that one because it, it felt notable to do a review of. But also, you can listen to our full instant reaction watch along to it. TNHat.com, Patreon.com slash kidding me, and it is absolutely free. Thoughts on this show, Liam? It, we already said it in detail. Go listen to our response, our commentary of it. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. Good times. And very important, historically. How do you feel about Shane Douglas as a backstage interview? I'm generally positive, but I'm very worried that uh, Scott Hudson will get the boot because of it. He does. <laughs> That's upsetting, because he's really good. NWA TNA baby number 98, June 9th, 2004. My birthday. I would have turned 12. <laughs> Were you watching this for your birthday? Uh, no, I didn't know. Actually, I probably did know TNA existed, maybe. I might have watched some of it on the wrestling did channel. Did you uh, wake up early on June 9th and go, Mem, Mem, please, bye. <laughs> 
Please buy me the TNA pay-per-view number 98. I need to see Sanjay Dutton's gut check match, mama. <laughs> Why are you southern? Because I'm watching the Nashville show. I've adopted the accent. Oh, oh, mama, I need to see the, the NYC. <laughs> Michael Shane and Chris Saban. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this show is when they announced the Triple Jeopardy match. Don West says on commentary, I don't know what that is, but amen. <laughs> Don West, the best. He starts talking about how Trinity is like the, the female star of the company. And she's he's like, she's like the king of the female mountain. <laughs> Not queen of the mountain. That's too hard to put together. No, king of the female mountain. King of the female mountain. Killings has the theme here. That's the amazing red theme. The one he would have in like 2009. Really? Also, there's a suplex in the AJ and Kazarian match where they're on the turnbuckle and, he, and AJ suplexes Kaz to the floor. Sounded like it sucked. Yeah, I mean, those these two are uh, young and can kill themselves. It's fine. Impact, episode 2, June 11, 2004. Anything. David Young is worried and anxious. <laughs> that, that is what I have written down. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is like the one time we see Team Mexico as a unit completely together. Yeah, they're not doing much this month. They're, they're, they're just off doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, AJ coming out as ex-champ just feels right. Of course. It just feels right. NWA TNA Baby number 99, June 16, 2004. What do you got? Ibis's gear is terrible. Again, I, if, I feel like if he just kept the skulls on both sides, they'd be into it. It's the weird tribal tattoo that really throws mm. me. I have the words, you're an evil reptile written down, which feels like a Goldilocks line, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I should really take better notes on who says what and when. I actually do think it's a Goldilocks line based on where it is on my notes. I think she says the words, you're an evil reptile at some stage, or somebody says that to her, or maybe it's a Don West uh, line. Maybe that can be the, the fourth thing we add into the title, evil reptile. Uh, yeah, I got nothing on this one. Uh, yeah. When they won the flag match, Scott Demore did this, like, sensational, over-the-top celebration. <laughs> it was the best thing that's ever happened. And when he did the sit-down interview with Mike Tanay, he was like, Mike, may I call you Mike? Which just feels like such a subtle heel thing. Mm. Like, it just, it's such, like, a traditional, like, heel trope to be like, may I call you blank? <laughs> and then to do it anyway. Impact number three, June 18, 2004. My favorite Don West line on this is like, they should call him D-Ray 3000 to 1 because those are his odds of winning here against the Biss. I, I, I do appreciate that. And they're like, well, you know, he, he, but crazier things have happened. He did have that upset win against David Young. It's true. I don't think it's an upset. NWATNA baby number 100, June 23, 2004. We did miss a big one here, which is the minis match. Yeah, that's what we're going to get to now because it also has a great uh, post uh, match thing. So, yeah, we get the, the minis here. I like that mini. Throughout is the big man. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I thought it was a good little match. Mascarita Sagrada is actually always just fucking great. He's so good, isn't he? Um, but then, of course, David Young comes in, beats everyone up, demands that uh, Mike Posey make the pin. He refuses twice. David Young pushes him around. Eventually, the minis have enough. They bite him on the ass. As one does. And he's, uh, he's running around like a fool. And, of course takes a big dropkick from Mike Posey, who hits, a, hits an AJ Styles S dropkick, I have to say. Yeah, Mike Posey was a wrestler, so it does make sense. But also, crowd went nuts when he hit that dropkick, too. Everyone pinned him, and he takes three more losses. Yeah, that's how it works. That's Those are the rules. Well, not according to Don West. He says some inappropriate things. Yeah, Don, 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 oh, Don, 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 Don. Mm-hmm. I did like uh, the unity that the mini showed after the, the beatdown. 
Like, this is fucked up. I just read in my notes what Don actually said. I'm like, Don! Yeah, it wasn't great. Thumbs down, Don. This match was meant to go 12, but they started slow to build all their dives in the final three minutes. But Jerry Jarrett got super bored thinking they were sticking the place out. So they cut the match to eight. So they just had to go home before they did any of their cool spots. They should have just ignored him. Like, you're, you're doing a one-shot anyway. Who gives a fuck? Mm. When Don was trying to sound, like, more progressive when he didn't want to say ladies, he's <laughs> like, these, these aren't ladies, they're tough. And he was like, they're gals. <laughs> it's like, Don. <laughs> he should have been like, they are uh, female kings. <laughs> mm. Impact, episode number four. June 25th, 2004. What do you think? How are you feeling? <laughs> At this point... I am thinking that Impact is better than the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll get the big announcement. Dennis Rodman will be in the Impact Zone next week. Oh, I was reading ahead of the notes. There's a bunch of like debacle stuff with Dennis Rodman as well. That's I fun. I'm so excited because... Um, and I'll tell you what, that'll be a, a house sellout. Uh, that'll be a lounge room sellout in this house because my housemate loves Dennis Rodman. <laughs> so yeah, that'll, you can look forward to us talking about Dennis Rodman in July. A pro wrestling legend. Indeed, he's WCW hero. Also, just the coolest guy ever. <laughs> just not going to Bulls training sessions to go fucking hang out and do WCW. <laughs> the best. Monty had his theme here. Pat Kenny was way too competitive with Monty in that match, by the way. He's getting a push at the moment. Still. Um, we get a, a cool little segment with Disco and Swinger backstage just being mad that they're being filmed. Yeah. Oh, and Abyss caught AJ doing the Fosbury flop and just threw him into the post. I wanted to mention that too. That spot was so cool. Oh, rocked. Abyss rules. Abyss and AJ are just the best together. I'm looking forward to that cage match, which I have seen recently, but I'm looking forward to rewatching it. And then, last show of the month, NWTNA paper number 101, June 30th, 2004, from the Asylum in Nashville, Tennessee, 1250 sellout, heavily papered. By the way, if you ever want to know how many people are at any of these shows, we've never mentioned it because it's usually about the same number and it's usually always papered. Show notes, you can see how many were at all these shows. TNAchat.com, Patreon.com, slash kidding me. NWTNA pay-per-view 100 and NWTNA pay-per-view 101 were shows that I did not like the wrestling, but I thought were really easy watches and I enjoyed. There you go. That is the month. That is June 2004, our longest podcast recording ever. We're on four hours, eight minutes. It'll be cut down to probably about 3.30, 3.40 in editing. But let us know. We went four hours, eight minutes on this podcast. I'm very excited that my promise of delivering a Wrestle Kingdom <laughs> <laughs> has paid off. Uh, so we can add Wrestle Kingdom to the title. We also mentioned Sasha Banks so we can add Sasha Banks to the title. <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter at TNA History Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at I nearly said the Gleet Muda at Garrett Kidney. You can follow Liam on Twitter at the Gleet Muda. At Garrett Kidney. You can head to Patreon.com/slash/KiddingMe or TNAChat.com to get all of your fun Patreon content, including a full Ring King series, a full 2010 Monday Night War series, our current ongoing Global Force Wrestling series, our current ongoing Raintaker series, watch-alongs of a bunch of shows at this stage, including a WrestleMania in there somewhere, reviews of a Chris Rock film, drafts. A fun game that I'm doing now. <laughs> Liam's apparently doing a game. It's about cage matches or something. We'll look forward to that. Uh, Garrett got it wrong. I did get one of the wrong that he sent me. <laughs> Upcoming on Friday will be the next Rain Takers covering the 2012 G1. Upcoming then that weekend will be the next episode of Global Force Wrestling. I won't even say we'll be back in two weeks. We'll try and get back as soon as we can. It was a month this time. Sorry about that. I caught COVID. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> the July 2004 episode. That is another nine show a month, but at least this time it's five impacts and four pay-per-views rather than five pay-per-views and four also, impacts. in my defense, right, guys, I am back at university now. 
And for one of my classes, I have to watch two movies and four episodes of TV. What TV show? Cry was last week's. Oh. Why aren't they watching uh, good shows? Well, it has to be Australian or have be related to something in Australia, as it is an Australian screen culture class. Boo! I watched Picnic at Hanging Rock. Is it good? It's real. It's, it is interesting. So, guys, there's like this whole theory in Australian cinema called the Lost Child Theory, right? Where we talk about how... Uh, bushland and like and how there's this consistent theme because of our own um, actual news stories about children being lost and being found within our environment and so we play a lot of it off we play off of it a lot in our cinema and this is a story particularly about a bunch of white girls getting lost in the bush and about how australian culture will then like go and this it's a whole big representation about colonial colonialism it's a whole thing um, if you want to actually know about it a bit more, watch the movie called Terra Nullius. You can catch it on Vimeo. It's a very fun uh, little edit movie, and you can see Skippy the Kangaroo talk to you about how <laughs> all these white women getting lost actually helps continue uh, stigmatism towards indigenous people in Australia. Sounds like a good time, then. Uh, Garrett, I have a question for you. Oh, no. Do you think that this show was an 8 out of 10 or a natural 20? I think it was a 20. I think it was a 20 as well. For context, Liam was messing with a dice at one stage, and I told him to get rid of it, and then he threw it, and it landed on either 8 or 20. And that was how good this show was going to be. And I think you should all go to podcast service and give us 5 stars or whatever the rating is, because we were so good. Yeah, we do that? People always do that in their shows, and I feel like we never push that. Yeah, we're on, like, 20 ratings on on Spotify, which is pretty good. One guy didn't like us. The rest of them were pretty cool. (laughs) You can head to any podcast platform, or honestly, just go to your social media. Go to your Twitter machine right now and go, Hey, guys, I like at TNA History Pod. I think it's a really good show, and you should listen to it. If you made it into the fourth hour... And that's how you can spread the word about this here show. As said, we'll be back when we're back with the July episode. Hopefully sooner rather than later, but we'll see you then. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Do the damn thing! What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.